This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Your attention is precious. Hold in a million directions for a million different reasons. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina works hard to make sure your health insurance isn't one of the many things distracting you from what's important. By making healthcare easier to navigate, we help keep your focus on the moments that matter most. Like dinner with loved ones. Letting you focus on you. That's the benefit of Blue. Learn more at BenefitOfBlueSC.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, both an honor and a pleasure, as always, to introduce uh, two guests today. Uh, if you've never had a threesome, you're about to have your cherry popped because that's what's happening today. Is uh, We've got two guests that are... Uh, we're going to be talking to at the same time, uh, a little bit individually, one-on-one first, uh, and then because of the nature of what they do together, we're going to talk to them uh, as a group uh, to wrap this episode up. But I'm really excited. Got two uh, standout fucking gentlemen that are going to be here uh, sharing their story, um, what, they, uh, what they've what they been up to, and, uh, and both of them are, are huge inspirations for both me uh, and everybody listening, I have no doubt. So, without further ado, the first guest that we're going to talk to uh, was born in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, He served in the Navy from 2008 uh, to 2018. He was in BUDS Class 273. He went on to SEAL Team 10, uh, spent uh, his last several years as an East Coast combatives instructor, did multiple deployments, crossed over into being a professional MMA fighter, was ranked first on the East Coast as a welterweight amateur prior to that. Uh, he now currently owns Massive Apparel and Massive Supplements and is also a sexual Tyrannosaurus. Please welcome Mitch Aguiar. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, uh, I, I appreciate you being here. Um, I know uh, for both of you guys, um, you know, it's been a, a, a long fucking trip. And, uh, you know, the reality of it is, is that the, the reason that any of these episodes are worth a shit is because of you guys. Uh, you know, so it, it's uh, it's it's something that. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your schedule to be here, and uh, I'm appreciative of you of you coming because I know in person it's always a better interview, and uh, and I know it's a ways out here coming coming all the way from Dallas. So thanks for coming. But uh, real quick, I, I do like to get into just kind of a quick lightning round to get things uh, started off. Um, one thing I like to ask everybody is, what does your morning routine look like? My morning routine? I don't think I have one, honestly. 
I think every morning is uh, different for me, which is kind of cool in some ways, you know, because it keeps things fresh and, you know, I, I don't have that typical Groundhog's Day, you know, which I'm sure a lot of people do and yeah. hate it. Um, but in the other sense, like sometimes I wish I did have a routine because I feel like it would be a lot easier to, you know, get my workout in and this and that, you know, if I, if I had like a strict routine that I, that I stuck to, but I just don't, and I never know where I'm going to be or what's going on. You know, I, I keep my schedule pretty flexible Mm -hmm. because I I never know what opportunities are going to present themselves and, you know, it just, that's the the story of my life. So roll variety is the spice of life, right? Yeah. I don't (laughs) mind it. Yeah, no shit. Is there uh I mean I, I can only imagine say say training wise you've got a, a pretty specific morning routine though, right? Or or even then it's like fucking Yeah, no. <laughs> it's shit. a free for all. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean I guess uh, if you if you keep your got your your I, body guessing. You know, I see, I see you guys like Jocko and you know yeah. up at 4:30 every day and that's, you know, super uh commendable and respectable i've just never been a morning person yeah. first of all <laughs> and yeah. well, second let, of all, me, let just... me be the first to say that's that's <laughs> goddamn refreshing because uh I, i'm the antithesis of uh, of the jocko routine uh i i can't get up fucking at 4 30 in the morning like yeah. i stay up late and i i sleep till you know between seven and eight i mean that's a, the earliest i fucking get up i know it was an early morning for you yeah today. i actually started a hashtag jocko takes naps <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. it's just a joke i don't yeah. know but i'm sure he appreciates that shit right <laughs> that's funny shit um all right uh, favorite cheat meal favorite cheat meal oh man i am a total fat kid at heart and uh you know i have to constantly cut weight for fights and i mean after after i have a fight it's not uncommon for me to put on 15 pounds of fat and like just because i i peg out and i I love oreos i actually have a problem i can't have them in my house anymore and uh love ice cream i have a huge sweet tooth so yeah you know anything anything sweet i love it all yeah so the, well goddamn so your uh, your Everything. favorite cheat meal is anything to cheat yeah, with right pretty much i love it um so you normally fight at what weight uh welterweight 170 and so you're walk at, around at like 205 normally jesus christ yeah that's fucking nuts um what's your favorite booze drink uh nectar liqueur is is a that sounds familiar it's a, yeah <laughs> that's a uh a, a liquor that I'm involved with, I'm part owner of, you know, oh, okay. and uh, so you're a little se- several team guys are invested in it. So yeah. we, uh, that's, we're definitely, that's our favorite uh, drink there. Yeah. And then I like, uh, for beer, I like Frogman Lager. Um, yeah, a guy named uh, Mike Stacks owns that company and, yeah. uh, or the brewery. And it's located in Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah. Awesome beer, awesome yeah. stuff. So, so toe, toe on the Frogman line on the booze on the booze train, right? Yeah, I don't I don't drink often, <laughs> but when I do, it's uh, yeah. nectar the corn Frogman. Yeah. Well, nectar, nectar the core makes it. Uh, I mean, there's just there's an element to that that, like you could call it man sauce, right? Fucking I nectar, mean, whatever. <laughs> nectar the core, I love it. That's fucking great. Uh, favorite submission, uh, and, and or is it? I mean, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here. Is it the uh, you you have your own, right? I do the, the Aguiar submission. I, I saw I saw the demonstration. That's got to be your favorite. Right? It absolutely yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. That's fucking I, cool. It's, yeah, uh, no, yeah. honestly, like that is. It was such a, a huge honor, and like I I just can't even describe how that felt. You know, I'm so passionate about jujitsu and. Yeah. 
you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has only been around for what, less than 100 years and, you know, but that's still a long time. And for as many people who do it and who have been doing it for 20 years, 30 years, you know, you would think like everything's been thought of, especially yeah. such a simple submission like that. Yeah. You know, and I just asked every freaking black belt that I encountered and everyone's like, well, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen that. Yeah. And I'm like, no way. You know, and that's, that's cool as fuck. I mean, yeah. I, I remember when I, I, I think I saw it on, uh, on Instagram. I, I think mm -hmm. it was when, when you got it certified or yep. whatever you want to call yep. it. Verified. And, yeah. But same thing. Like when I saw it, I was like, God damn, I, I can't believe nobody's thought of that. Like yeah, it seems yeah. so, it's one of those, it's so like cool. the fucking zipper. It's like, you know, it's so, it's so <laughs> simple. Like nobody thinks of it though. That's, that's, yeah, fucking that's awesome. definitely my favorite. I have, I've yet to hit it in a fight. I've def I've hit it uh, quite a bit. You know, I'm just rolling around and yeah practice and stuff like that but i really want to finish a yeah. fight that way that'd yeah. be awesome oh hell yeah it would uh what's your most embarrassing moment ever most embarrassing moment ever i don't know i really don't get embarrassed that never you like even as a kid nothing i i just i guess i kind of just own shit yeah you just don't you know? give a fuck like, well the subtle art of not giving a fuck i mean yeah that, uh, all right you know never been embarrassed fucking you heard, you heard it here first <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think like, if I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, to me, it, uh, that says a lot about a mentality. If you're like, yeah, I don't get embarrassed. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I just don't give a fuck, man. Yeah. No, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, t take note. If you, if you ever get embarrassed, I, I fight in a sunga. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That tells you. Yeah. I came out the Gognum style in a American flag speedo yeah. in front of 5,000 people. That's true. You know? So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. How do you, how do you top that? Maybe wear a sarong next time. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, in terms of, of, of opponents that you faced, and I'll, I'll quantify the question with um, kind of a little bit of an explanation, the toughest opponent mentally, and by that I mean, like, is there an opponent that you've ever fought that stuck out as being somebody that was just like, just game to the fucking core, like just you couldn't, no matter what you did to them, that like their level of intensity and, and their toughness from a, from a grit standpoint, is there anybody that stands out as, as being head and shoulders above anybody else? Um... I would say, I mean, I guess I have to say Kedrick uh, Harris. Uh, he's my one loss, and you know, I think he just he he brought it. You know, we both came to fight, and and uh, he caught me in the second round, and so I, I guess him and uh, a guy named Will Worley I fought. He was uh, super tough. You know, never stopped fighting, and we went to decision, and uh, he he was he was definitely tough, and. Um, the last guy I fought, Brandon Pennington, he he was certainly tough, and uh, it was a tougher fight than I was expecting. You yeah. know, he definitely came to win and came to fight. So, I've, David Collins in the past, I fought a guy named David Collins. He was uh, also super tough. You know, I don't know. I've, I've I've actually had a lot of tough opponents, and I'm and I'm happy for that because yeah. uh, it's it's helped me grow as a fighter for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, there's been fights where I've kind of just you know, walk through it really easily. And, you know, I, I haven't really grown from those fights. The fights that I've really grown and and stepped up and felt like I gained experience and kind of brought me to another level was all those, you know, really tough fights. Yeah. But one of the things I hear, I hear a lot, whether it's watching MMA fights or listening to fighters, even such as yourself talk, is that uh, you, you hear that, that kind of phrase or reference a lot, like he, he came to fight or he came to win. I mean, have you run into guys like not to sound like a smart ass, but I mean, yeah, like, I feel where they're I like feel, they sh didn't even fucking show up. I feel like, you know, 
like fighting is 90% mental and the other 10% is in your head. You yeah. know, I feel like you can beat people before you even step in the cage and, yeah. you know, and um, I feel like some guys feel defeated before they even get in there. And, and, and I've, that my one loss, I mean, I, I just was not, did not want to fucking fight that day, you yeah. know, and it was because I had a lot of shit going on in my head with a little love triangle. And <laughs> I just, you know, at the time I just did not want to fucking fight. And, yeah. you know, but I had sponsors yeah. already, you know, that had paid me. And, you know, I'm like, it's more of like an obligation. I was like, I just yeah. want to get the shit over with. So I'm just going to go in there and fucking fight. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still fought to the best of my abilities. I just mentally, you know, I, I, wasn't all there and uh yeah that's you know no excuse he 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 got the he got the best of me and um but yeah i think i think you can definitely beat people before you even put hands on them well you know it's interesting you say that i know like with what i do for a living with dogs um presence and body language is fucking everything uh and i'm curious that you know from your perspective as somebody who who gets in there how how big of a role does uh, bo- both on your end and on the opponent's end like do you is that something you concentrate on i mean your time you know you spent some time in the dog program and in, in, in the navy as a handler and so i know that there's an element there that you that you probably recognize and, and can relate to more i think than it's most just it's, it's just fucking alphaness like but the raw just yeah. i'm a i when i'm in that cage with someone i'm not you know I'm not locked in there with them. They're locked in there with me. Like I'm looking at them like prey, Yeah, you know, like right. I'm coming at you and, and that's it. I don't, yeah. I don't watch footage of my opponent. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. My game plan is the same. I'm going to fucking attack you mm-hmm. ferociously and relentlessly, like with everything I have. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be whatever, but it's going to be a fucking fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it's a, it's, it's an interesting component to it because, you know, again, like the exact same process takes place. Like when I test dogs for, for police or military work, mm-hmm. like the, you know, it, it's essentially setting them up in, in certain environments and circumstances to expose any genetic weaknesses that they have. And, and you do that through that exact same thing is, is by taking on very predatorial behavior towards them. Uh, and making them now understand, hey, not not only am I not a prey object, I'm the opposite. You're the fucking prey object. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. And so, uh, do you think other fighters uh, are there? Are there some guys that you've come in? in I think there's with? guys that that fake it, that are trying to fake yeah. it till they make it type yeah. thing. And um, I mean, you can tell when it's manufactured. Yeah, and and for me, like I, I never wanted to, f- I never planned on like fighting. Uh, competitively as a career or anything like that. Like I, I simply do it because I love it and yeah. I don't give a fuck about the money. I don't care about anything else. Like I actually hate MMA. <laughs> the thing I do like is fucking hitting people and like yeah. the fight itself. Like uh, that's what I enjoy. Yeah. Um, like the gladiator type shit. I, I hate all the other bullshit yeah. with it. I hate waiting, cut, waiting, cutting weight. Yeah. I hate, you know, like knowing I have an yeah. opponent eight weeks from now. And yeah. like, I'd rather just show up and fight whoever's in there. Yeah. So bring back the, uh, the catch weight and the Coliseum. Right? Yeah, whatever. Let's just, <laughs> let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good shit. All right. So last two quick questions before we get into kind of the timeline is, uh, is there a book you're currently reading? And if so, what is it? Uh, or what was the last book you read? I'm currently working on, uh, the 12 rules by, uh, Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking great book. Um, 
What uh, do you have a favorite quote? I mean, that that is a guy I, I reference on here often. But, um, uh, favorite quote. Um, yeah, mindset is everything. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, favorite quote I would say is um, I really like uh, Theodore Roosevelt's "Man in the Arena." Yeah. No, it's a fucking great one. I mean, it, uh, it's on about half, half of the fucking team T-shirts, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a fucking good one, no doubt. All right, so what I want to do is just kind of kind of quickly go through uh, the, the chronological aspect of, of uh, you know, your career, your life, whatever. I've got a couple of questions, and then, uh, and then we'll get into our next guest and, uh, and, then, and then circle it back for, uh, you know, uh, how you guys have been working together. But uh, I found it interesting that you're born in Virginia Beach. Um, were you were you born into a, a military family at all? Or? Yeah, my mom and my dad were both in the military. They were both yeah. in the Navy. Yeah, I'm assuming your dad wasn't wasn't in the teams, or was he? No, he was a combat cameraman over with uh, Dab Group. So, oh, okay, yeah. So, what, I mean, what kind of uh, I guess was, was there an influence from from growing up there and. Uh, you know, in terms no, I had zero desire zero, zero to influence. join the Navy yeah. or military. I didn't know shit about the SEAL teams at yeah. all. Um, you know, my my dad had encouraged me to go in the military as a kid and everything, but I was just like, yeah, it's not for me, you yeah. know. And my, I, I'm just, you know, kind of more of a hippie. Yeah. I don't, I never, never thought I would be in the military, but yeah. then, you know. Sure as shit. Just no happened shit to work out that way. Yeah. In terms of your childhood uh, upbringing, you know, sports, et cetera, was, was MMA or, or jiu-jitsu <laughs> or anything like that something that you did growing up at all? Or? No, I just fought in school. But yeah. uh, I... Any sports? Yeah, I played football, basketball, and lacrosse. But I... So I actually wanted to play hockey as a kid, but I was a terrible ice skater. It was like a Happy Gilmore situation. <laughs> but... The only reason I wanted to play hockey was not because I enjoyed hockey. It was because that was the only sport I knew of that they let you fight. Yeah. So I was like, I want to play that sport. Did your dad whip your ass growing up? Like, where does the <laughs> loving to fight? Like, did you have brothers that you fought yeah, with? Constantly? Yeah, no, I had a, uh, I have a little brother or a younger brother. And uh, I've got a brother, a stepbrother that's a year older than me. Yeah. Um, and two older stepsisters. But my brother, my younger brother and I growing up, even from like a very, very young age, um, you know, I, I, we have home movies of us, you know, my mom in the front yard, you know, in this corner, weighing a whopping yeah. 43 pounds, you know, like Mitch yeah. Aguiar. And then yeah. like me and my brother, you know, we would have like little fights, wrestling yeah. matches. And I'd tie a little towel around my neck. I was, yeah. I was like Batman, you know. Does she regret that shit now or does she? No, like, she loves she, it. She loves it. Yeah. She's I'm, not, not I'm happy. Tip. I'm happy she did not raise pussies. Yeah. Well, fucking A. That's, uh, I mean, it's interesting because I, I think. You know, some some people, I think it's it's genetic. Some people, it's an env environmental thing. I mean, you, you, we all talk about nature versus nurture a it's lot. The agogi, but, man. You know, I, I think it's both. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's it has to be a little bit of both. But uh, in terms of your your family dynamic uh, in general, was there anything out outside the norm or or anything that happened as a kid that uh, shaped you into into a certain direction or into the direction you went, or was it a pretty what you would consider normal affluent upbringing? I think I had a I had a great upbringing and a great childhood i mean i was felt very loved very encouraged and i'm super grateful for that and also my aggression you know was was not um shunned you know what i mean yeah. like my like i said my mom has, has videotapes of us you yeah. know fighting play fighting as kids and like yeah. 
so just from a very very early age i that's was fun to me yeah. and then you know growing up my little brother was fat and he was a year younger than me and you, you totally know, didn't make fun of him i'm sure right no i mean i <laughs> but my parents were like hey this is your brother you got to defend him yeah. protect him and you know if anyone makes fun of him whoop their ass and i took that to heart and i yeah. grew up my whole life you know fighting in school and you know bullying bullies yeah with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And uh, I've never... I've kind of just always been fearless in that sense of, you know, I just attack you. Yeah. One of the things that uh, I, I think unquestionably, and it's it's something you, you know, I'm sure you you can relate to reading Jordan's book, but you know the 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 aggression component that exists in males um, that that is emasculated and shunned and and stifled in our society to the degree in which it is today is, has had an unquestionably detrimental impact uh, on our society in a, in a host of ways. But uh, you know, to me, it's it's amazing to you know i've been very fortunate to meet you know a lot of really fucking cool people in in the last decade of of doing what i've done you know post military and and most of these people in which are uh you know are those types of people that uh you know that were raised that way or or live a lifestyle or or a career uh you know that that exists and is um you know foundationally based on their ability to do that uh, and so you know, to me, it, it's it, it's an interesting component. I think to, you know when when there's you know stories such as yours and and on the transverse, you hear you know there's a lot of stories of of people that didn't grow up that way, and you see the problems that exist because of that. And uh, you know, to me, it's it's nice to hear that it's both nice to hear that you had uh, that type of up, upbringing, but also I think it, it reconfirms. Um, you know the, the the natural aspect of, of why that's a, a naturally occurring uh, set of genetic components in men, uh, and it's something that that needs to be uh, not just allowed, but but harnessed and, and controlled, encouraged, but uh, you know un- understand and, and be taught how to use it, when to use it. You know, not that it's not acceptable; it's that it's acceptable in, in certain terms and, and when to use it and how to control it. You know, so uh, it's it's I, I love to hear that. Um, where were you in uh, during when nine eleven happened? Uh, 
I it's going to make me feel old. Yeah, right? you ready to feel old? Yeah. I was in seventh grade art class. Seventh grade art class. What what impact did that have on you uh, seeing that happen? Uh, you know, honestly, at the time, I didn't really understand it. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I was making a paper mache uh, star, yeah. <laughs> and it was like a superhero star thing that I was making. Yeah. And our teacher was like... Uh, you know, there's, there's been an attack and, you know, and I was just like, okay. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on and yeah. we all got sent home from school early and I was like actually kind of excited. I was like, yeah. you know, Free my, day. yeah, I was like, wow, we got, we're getting half a day of school. Hell yeah. And I like went home, was all excited and ready to play. And, you know, I had no clue what was going on. And then, um, my dad, I was living with my dad at the time and he had walked in the house and I was like, dad, we got sent home from school early and like yeah. all excited. And he's like, yeah, no shit. Our fucking country's under attack. And yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not a good thing. Like yeah. what's going on? Yeah. So that, uh, I, I, I was honestly, I just too young to really understand really what was going on. Yeah. And it wasn't really a, it just didn't catch my attention, honestly, yeah. too much. So, okay, so from you're in seventh grade at that point. From then all the way through high school, you know, what, what transpired between then and you joining that, that really inspired you to, to serve and, and join the military? Um, not, like I said, nothing. I, I had zero intentions on joining the military. Shit, did you lose a bet? What the fuck happened? No, I was just <laughs> bored at the time, honestly. I was, uh, I had moved to live with my mom and I was in Ohio and I hated Ohio. It was just a, you know, a real rural country area and not a lot to do. And, um, that was new for me. And I, I was just kind of bored with that area. I didn't know I just graduated high school. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do yet. I knew I didn't want to go to college. Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't going to be anything academic or anything like that. Uh, and I was roofing at the time and just didn't really have a plan, you know, and, and the Navy recruiter happened to just walk in and, hey, you want to join the Navy? And I thought, man, you know. No, but I will. Four years, <laughs> like, I can fucking. Yeah. Like, why not? Like, what, yeah. was, I have got nothing holding me back. I've got nothing keeping me here or whatever. So, and I don't want to be here. So yeah, sure. Yeah. And he's like, well, you look like you're in good shape. Do you want to be a seal? And I was like, mm, yeah, sure. Sign yeah. me up. So you really had no, no fucking concept. Of I had zero. I had no idea. I even had to go to buds. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> was, shit. that was a, uh, could you swim where the fuck at that point? Um, uh, my, my PST guy that like gave me the PSTs, uh, Mike Noss, and mm -hmm. uh, he's a old frog man. Uh, and uh, he's the guy who taught me how to do the combat side stroke, like the day uh, the day before the PST. Yeah, god damn, and you still passed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, the run, the running was really the hard part for me. I had never run like further than a mile. Yeah. And when I when I heard like we you do you do like the four mile time runs, I was just thinking, why in the fuck would anyone run four miles? <laughs> like, yeah. what is the point of that? Yeah. <laughs> God damn. So the, uh, so, so joining, I mean, it, it sounds like, uh, 
there, there's an element to your life that that's very almost fly by the seat of your pants like whether it's not having a morning routine or like joining the navy on a fucking whim standing on a rooftop like you know you're like yeah fuck it i'll join the navy now nah, i'll be a seal why not like i don't even know what the fuck it is but it seems like that that, that seems to be a recurring theme yeah with uh, with your lifestyle it's just like fucking whatever right <laughs> yeah zero preparation just yeah. go yeah. all throttle yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> no uh, breaks yeah well i mean that's, yeah, i just uh, did the grand canyon yeah. uh no yeah no, rim to rim to rim yeah. zero training yeah and flew in from New York City, two hours of sleep, and sh- did it in my Lacoste, yeah. you know, shoes, dress yeah. shoes. <laughs> like, Jesus fuck, let's get it. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're. That's why you're limping. You got the pimp walk right now. Oh right? man, still, my still calves. Yeah. I'm still paying for that, yeah. man. My calves are super tight. Yeah. Have, have you thought about uh, pl- planning ahead, maybe a little more? You know, or? I always have the intention to, <laughs> like. Yeah. every every weight cut for my fights yeah. you know yeah i'm gonna cut weight slowly this time over yeah. over two months i think yeah. and then you know sure shit the week of the fight i'm 40 pounds yeah. overweight yeah. <laughs> and i'm like hmm that didn't go according to plan <laughs> but let's adjust and make it happen yeah i mean like, if you're gonna be dumb you gotta be tough no i know it that's fucking <laughs> jesus christ uh i mean do you even buy green bananas or is that too big of a commitment nah you know i don't <laughs> really like bananas <laughs> yeah. jesus um all right so so you uh, haphazardly or on a whim basically join join the Navy, say, yeah, fuck it, I'll go to Bud's. Uh, was showing up there, um, was that whole experience, I mean, what was that like for you then, kind of just going into the unknown? Like, I, there's got to be a certain element of ignorance is bliss with that a little bit, you know, with like, I think some guys, just like we're talking about mentality earlier, is that, you know, your mindset can be so adversely affected and, and you can overthink things and, and over plan. I'm sure you saw oh, guys that show up that, that knew too much about training, you know, and, and ended up fucking mentally mind fucking <laughs> themselves out of it. I mean, there was guys, I remember being in boot camp and there was dudes talking about what SEAL team they were going to go to and this and that. And I was just, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, and you're like, when's lunch? I didn't know shit about <laughs> yeah. like uh, the only, the only information I had on buds was the two, three, four documentary um, that Discovery Channel did. And that was the only information I had on Buds. And from that documentary, I gathered that most people that went there didn't make it. So (laughs) I was just like thinking, why are these guys talking about what SEAL team they're going to go to? Like, we haven't even crossed the fucking, we haven't even opened the very first door yet. Yeah. So... I don't know. I just kind of dealt with it as it came. I was like, I have to get through boot camp first. Yeah. So, I mean, so in keeping in tradition with, uh, you know, your mentality across the board, then was it, was there any notable experiences and buds that, uh, that kind of threw you for a loop or, or because of your just, yeah, fuck, whatever, whatever's whatever mentality. Was it, was it just kind of a pretty uh, routine experience in, in terms of how you live your life? First phase was fine. I mean, I, honestly, it was my favorite phase and like, it was just physical, you know, like the, I loved log PT. I loved like I boats on heads surprised me how bad that sucked. Yeah. Uh, cause I remember seeing it and thinking that's not too bad. And then I remember, very, I'll never forget like the first time the boat went on my head and I was like, Oh shit, this is <laughs> fucking heavy and uncomfortable. Yeah. This is not what I expected. Yeah. And, uh, I remember thinking like, this is not going to be fun. Yeah. And, uh, just, you know, obviously the lack of running my whole life, you know, and then throwing in, thrown into buds, it's yeah. mostly running, yeah. you know, so that was definitely uh, an adversity I had to 
face and overcome while yeah. I was there and kind of it was like you know the times kept getting shorter and shorter and it was like it was a good thing that I was like running a lot in buds because that was the only thing like every single run was you know me praying and yeah. trying to like make the cutoff yeah. <laughs> I was the captain of the goon squad yeah. <laughs> I was a good sprinter though yeah no, I can see that shit happening. Uh, was there anything in particular in Buds? Uh, I mean, did you get rolled or, or anything? Or yeah, I got rolled. Um, I got rolled uh, for actually an admin role in the beginning because we showed. I showed up with uh, two seven one originally um, in Buds prep. We were like the first or second class to go through that, and uh, there was too many guys, so they they uh, put a bunch of us in just the, we had to stay at Bud's Prep for another four weeks and join up with 272. And then I got um, uh, shin splints real bad because like I said, no running. no running and then jumping into that. Yeah. And, um, and then finished up with 273. Okay. And then, uh, so from there you went to team 10 yep. on the East coast and um, any, I guess for, at that point, like when, when does MMA enter your, uh, or that that style of you know actual not just fist fights and street fights was it was it an in- introduction at at SEAL Team Ten or you know no, doing combatives? No, it was. Um, I had joined a jujitsu gym in 2012 when I got back from Afghanistan, and uh, and I'd heard about a fight league, you know that you could do a cage fight for like anyone could sign up and do one and i was like fuck yeah like you know i love fighting so did you let's do it were there times uh you know from the time you joined the navy until uh you joined the jiu-jitsu gym you know so this is obviously you've been at seal team 10 for a little while you've done a a long kick you know dick dragger deployment to afghanistan yeah um, but still had had no real formal MMA training at no. that point, right? Were, were there times like, you know, within the SEAL team, I mean, like, is street fighting something that you've still done as an adult? Like, from Oh, the absolutely. Like ton, all, ton of bar fighting. Yeah, that, that, which you fit right in there with that. Yeah, ton <laughs> of bar fighting. And brothers. it's not, you know, not that I ever started shit or whatever. I just am very protective. Like, you know, like I said, growing up, I was that way, yeah. uh, protecting my brother. And then that just kind of transferred over into my adult life in the SEAL teams. And you know how it is, like, when a bunch of team guys go out to a bar and yeah, and people are drinking and, you know, it's just a bunch of alpha males and you're in a fucking small town or something for training. And, and they're not used to seeing And us. the local alpha male doesn't like that, that all these guys just walked in here and, yeah. you know, or, and there's normally some sort of, when there's that kind of environment and alcohol, there's normally some sort of confrontation or people feel 10 feet tall. Yeah. And then whenever that would happen and like... It was normally not even me. It was normally my other guys that would like get into something and I would just come in and finish it. And that's just how I was. I mean, I, and uh, it happened a lot. And uh, to the point where I got, you know, kind of pulled aside and, hey, you know, you need to cool off or whatever from this and that. And I'm like, it's, you know, I got put on restriction for drinking, and I'm like, it's I'm not fighting because I'm drinking. Yeah. Like, let me assure I'm you, fighting because I'm, I'm fighting an because I've, I'm yeah. a fucking fighter, and like yeah. I am just very protective. And yeah. uh, so, yeah, and it just yeah. I was like, all right, well, maybe I should join a gym, yeah. you know, and I can H- just kind of do this stuff there, yeah. and uh, and that that led me to the cage and 
cage has led me to this. So, yeah. Was there any instances uh, in platoon life or, you know, in any of the street fights that you went through where, where you got arrested for doing that? Or, or? Yeah, I got arrested one time. Um, I got into a fight. I beat up like three guys outside of a bar um, with another another team guy i was with another team guy my my uh, girlfriend at the time and his wife and we had left the bar and these three dudes like started you know it was after after a night of drinking these these dudes started being disrespectful to our women and uh i just and it just caught me yeah. it was, a, it was, was wrong this in virginia beach yeah it was yeah. in virginia beach so <laughs> just not the night i was not putting up with shit and uh they started saying shit and kind of confronted them they put you know, got a little Chevy and that was it and yeah. just beat the shit out of three of them. And, yeah. and I got arrested and I was the only one that got arrested. Yeah. Was uh, and and at any, yeah. <laughs> uh, at any point with, with any of these fights, were there times where like you're putting dudes in hospitals or, uh, yeah, I've definitely put people in hospitals. Yeah. I mean, and that never led to, cause I know, I mean, Christ on, I mean, I don't know how many fucking times no. shit like that happened with us. And there was a couple of times where, like, I mean, it, like some guys almost got like in real big fucking trouble. For yeah, no, out. luckily, I mean, uh, luckily I didn't get caught for a lot of things, you know, yeah. it was uh, kind of hit and hit and run, hit and run Smash and, and you know, kind of, kind of done. Yeah. Don't stick around to answer yeah. questions. Yeah. Hot extract. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But um, so it was a lot of that, like, and I mean, one Christmas I put my, uh, stepsister's boyfriend in the hospital, but yeah. well, that, Mary, was just, that was your Christmas present, right? Well, yeah. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> yeah. He had, he had hit my, my brother and, and that was also like alcohol was involved after yeah. a yeah. night of going out. And I mean, you just, you cross a line with me, I'm going to put you down. Yeah. So the, uh, so from 2012, like you come back, you've been in a lot of, uh, street altercations and, um, you know, have always liked fighting. So now you decide to join this gym. Like tell me I'm, what I'm curious of is like, was that an eye opener in terms of now? Cause I know, you know, from a jujitsu standpoint, like there's been a number of times where I've certainly been fucking humbled by people that I, I'm like this fucking guy. And then you're like, what in the fuck just happened? Yeah. Like, <laughs> was there a, like kind of a transformation of, of where it was a real eye opener for you? Where you're like, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, jujitsu, I mean, I remember doing jujitsu for the first time with with smaller guys, like yeah. 130 pound, 140 pound, but guys that in our buds class that were state wrestlers, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And they're probably only a blue belt level. But yeah. I mean, if you have any kind of grappling experience and you're a blue belt and you're going up against a, someone who has none, you're yeah. gonna fucking just destroy them, just tie them in knots. Yeah. And that was fascinating to me. I was like, holy shit, these little guys mm -hmm. are tying me in knots and, and submitting me. I was like, this is insane. Like yeah. if it is, imagine what I could do if I knew this stuff with my strength and aggression and like, you know, will to fight. And, yeah. uh, so that led me to pursue it more. Yeah. And I lost my first hundred matches in a row, you know, but yeah. every time I did, it just fueled me to keep going. And, yeah. uh, then luckily I, you know, found some success with it myself and it's just been awesome. Yeah. And yeah, super humbling. I mean, I've, I have f rolled with guys that just, I mean, make me feel like 
yeah. like a three-year-old girl, you know, with zero <laughs> grappling experience yeah. or anything. Like just, yeah. it's just like, wow, there's human beings out there that can do that. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> there's levels me, to this shit. Yeah. No, there's I mean, levels to, me, to everything. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I'll never forget the first time I ever, ever did it. And that, that was my, you know, walking out of there, like my head was spinning, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, holy fucking shit. Like there's way more to that than, than, yeah. it, than it looks like, you know, and, uh-huh. and there's so much other shit going on and i can't wait to to talk to you about that also but uh you know there, there's so many other fucking elements to it that uh, that you don't realize until you actually do it you know and uh, that's a fascinating sport no doubt about it um i'm curious you know so as you cross over into mma and um you know the last couple of years you spent you know teaching combatives and kind of passing that on to some some fellow brothers in the, in the seal community um but you know obviously you're focusing more and more on on the you know professional even though you were an amateur at the time because you had to be right mm-hmm. um it being being in the navy you can't be a professional fighter while while you're on active duty so it was it was more the seal teams they didn't want um my head shed and stuff they didn't want me to fight professionally and I really didn't understand their logic because in Virginia, the the commission is the exact same rule set yeah. as for amateurs as it is for pros. It's same. It's day before weigh-ins. There's no shin guards. All the strikes are are legal. There's there's zero difference. I mean, and uh, and I was fighting. I was a quickly a champion. So most the majority of my fights, I was fighting you know champion caliber fighters and yeah. fighting you know i defended my belt nine times yeah. and what, did you, know, you did you have that conversation with them as to as I, yeah to what i the mean fuck? Like, what? And that that's one of the shitty things about the military in my opinion is you you have a fucking million bosses and yeah. you know and what your current boss what his mood or yeah. or how he views things can really really alter or you know change the outcome of your life and what you're pursuing like if if your current headshed is cool with it then it's all cool and then you think everything's cool and then you know then they change command or something like that and now all of a sudden hey no this is a no-go now and it's like well why and you know and i would get so fucking frustrated questioning that stuff and then they would get frustrated with me like you know because that's not militant and that's You know, you don't question things, you just do it. And yeah. I, I just, I don't have that mentality. And I, and yeah. that's one thing I just disliked about the military. Yeah. I've noticed the same thing in, with dog programs is that, uh, you know, in the last decade, holy shit, like the amount of changes, you know, like there's some Commodores or, or COs or depending on who's running the show and how it's structured is that, you know, some of them love the dog programs mm-hmm. and, and, you know, put oh a lot my of weight God, behind it. The dogs it, are so... Know so like bastardized they're such a great asset yeah. and it and like you said it's all dependent on what that, mood the fucking the, what mood the head sheds yeah. in yeah. if if they want to utilize the dog if or if they're you know in their experience in the past the dog was you know they had a shitty dog handler and the dog was just all over the place and not controlled or yeah. something so that is now their standard you know yeah. with the dogs that's what they have in their head they're like no nope, that thing's yeah. not useful yeah and then you have the guys that that do know how they're used and you know and they want to integrate it as well same thing with combatives yeah i mean combatives was 
Oh my, it's so taboo in the teams, you know? And well, it's, it's stifled so, so much. Cause I think a lot of guys, if they don't understand them, they think that's going to lead to more fights and more problems and whatever, where, where it's actually the opposite. That, or, you know, I've heard so many times, like we're gunfighters, not fist fighters. And it's like, okay, well, I'm, and I'll be the first one to tell you, if you're doing a triangle choke on target, something's terribly wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, but still, <laughs> You and know, it's yeah. it's definitely doesn't hurt to to know yeah. that shit. Yeah, you know. Yep. No, I'm tracking. Speaking of dogs, since you did uh, have some involvement with the dog program, and and you know, with my background being what it is, uh, what's one thing that that kind of sticks out in your mind uh, that that you learned from working with dogs in the military? Like, if, there, if there's one lesson that you could pinpoint and say, this is what dog, you know, being a dog handler for that time taught me. Um, I would say consistency and, um, you, you just really have to be consistent with that dog and that consistency showed me results. Yeah. You know, there, there's two, two interesting things about that answer to me is that, uh, is that number one is that even knowing that, like you still live your life almost the opposite of yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> Trust me, I'm <laughs> the walk, the walking contradiction. Yeah, but but the other thing too, I, I think that that's neat uh, that that I, I actually really really admire and respect and like about how you live your life is that that's how dogs live. You know, like they are right fucking now. Everything is is take take it as it comes. While consistency works well in terms of training them, that's not how they they operate. Like mentally, they are exactly the way you live your life. And and to me, like oh, I felt trust me, I felt you know, super a uh, super connection, connection yeah. with with my dog Diesel. Yeah, he was just an aggressive motherfucker yeah, that yeah. just wanted to fight. Yeah fucking eat and sleep <laughs> yeah. and i was like man i get this dog yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no i mean it's uh like yeah the, the similarities we're similar yeah. i get it no the, the parallels are fucking they're awesome you know yeah I, I would i thought it was hilarious man i would like come into a hotel room yeah. or something and just let him go and he yeah. would just thrash pillows and yeah. hump the bed and destroy <laughs> shit and i was like i, I love My it man <laughs> have at it buddy yeah no i mean it's uh i mean the, the happiest people i know are, are that way you know that that you know they really it's like yeah fucking my plan is today mm -hmm. and fuck everything else you know yeah. and, and there's an element because to that. tomorrow's not promised yeah that's, it really that's isn't the truth i know so i i make the most out of my life every day or i yeah. try to yeah and uh and i don't want to have any regrets like that to me waking up at 80 and fucking having like yeah, the what if damn i should have fucking tried that or this or that you know and doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will yeah and uh i don't know man i I just like to take shit on and experience life and see where it takes me. Yeah, I, I love it. Like I said, I, I, I see a lot of parallels and, and similarities between, you know, like I, I interact with dogs all day, every day. And <laughs> I'm a good dog. And, uh, yeah, a good boy. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's neat. You know, I, I love the, the similarities. But um, so one thing I, I'm, I've been really uh, curious about and, and been, um, you know, dying to ask is, is the, with the crossover into MMA, um, having been to Afghanistan and having, you know, been in, in environments and situations where, you know, people, you may be in an area where, um, you know, an entire neighborhood or village is actively trying to take your fucking life, mm -hmm. uh, getting into gunfights and, and, you know, being on a, on a two-way range, as it's called, um, 
what I'm what I'm really interested about. I've watched God knows how many MMA fights. You know, I've I've certainly been in street fights. But what what I'm curious of is 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 there kind of a hybrid in terms of what that feeling is like when there's elevated pressure? Like obviously, it's not a street fight where things can go horribly wrong. Maybe the guy's got a gun, a knife, fucking three buddies behind a, a building or something. But but and it's obviously not the same as, as being in a combat situation. But like, is there an element of pressure or, or what is that feeling like when you're walking out, especially, you know, as a pro fighter now, uh, c- can you, can you try to describe if there's similarities or comparisons between any of those well, environments? What's well, first, that like? first of all, like pro and amateur fights, they, they, especially, like I said, I, all I know is the, the pro rule set because that's yeah. what I did as an amateur. And, you know, to me, the a punch in the face feels the exact same whether you're yeah. pro or amateur. Or you know? on the street, right? And uh, or in the street <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, and a fight's a fight. And uh, man, when I when I'm fighting somebody, I, I'm fighting them like my life depends on it. And that's really the I, like losing isn't an option for me. Uh, yeah. So I, I am fighting with the mentality of. Like if I don't win, I'll die type shit, you know? Yeah. And that's why I will fight you with everything I have until you shut me off. Yeah. And, uh, so I think it's similar in that sense. And, you know, the same thing overseas, I would obviously I'll fucking fight you until you shut me off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think just, I know that the, the consequences aren't, I, I, I guess, my nerves are a little different going into the cage because I I know that more than likely, like I'm not going to die. You know, the worst thing happens, I get kicked in the head and I shit my pants in front of everybody (laughs) on TV or something, you know? And that's just like, maybe that would be my embarrassing moment. I don't know. I'm going to guess you wouldn't give a fuck. Yeah, I probably wouldn't, you know, I'm the man in the arena. So, yeah, Yeah. uh, I probably wouldn't care, but, uh, but overseas, like in gunfights, like, and it it wasn't more it wasn't really i was ever like afraid of losing my life it was more for like fear of my brothers losing theirs if i didn't do what i needed to do yeah and i think that is probably every seal's mentality mm-hmm. um you know is you you have to protect your brothers yeah. and like that was my concern. Like it wasn't my own safety so much. It was more like, I don't want to fuck up and like get someone killed because of me or something like that. So that, that pressure is, or, uh, the, you know, it's not a game. Mm -hmm. It's not like you don't get to just take an L on your record or, you know, it's, if someone, if you die or, or one of your brothers dies, like that's it, they're not coming home to their family. And so there's just a different level of, uh, consequence or seriousness to that. Yeah. So the mentality is definitely different, but sort of similar. So it sounds like, you know, the mentality is similar, but the, but the nerves are scaled. Right. Yeah, I guess so. You know, so it, like there, there's still an element of, a, of almost a safety net walking into a cage while, right, it's, while right. it's ramped up. Like ultimately you still know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. I, I've always wondered about that. Cause yeah, I mean, like I remember my first gunfight, like getting shot at when I when I heard the, the rounds crack. I remember instantly getting excited because I was like, oh, cool. Finally, we're like, yeah. you know, in, in a real gunfight. And then 
immediately after that, you're like, oh shit, my my leg was just fucking da, 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 shaking, yeah. and I yeah. was like, oh shit, this is real, yeah. <laughs> like no, I know it. you know. And then it was like that, okay, fucking a hundred percent, a thousand percent locked on, yeah. you know, to protect my buddies and you know myself. Yeah. I, I remember for for me, um, you know, that's kind of a similar thing. Is that you know the the leading up to it was was as bad as as it actually happening. I think is is the anticipation of it. But, oh yeah, you paint, you know, and the anticipation can be worse, worse. than the yeah. reality a yeah. lot of times. I mean, yeah. I think that with fighting, I think that with anything, yeah. I think uh, shit running the O course. <laughs> yeah, man, anything. Like I remember going to Buds um, when I got there, I. Uh, I had gotten there at nighttime, and uh, I had went at like midnight. I like snuck onto the beach and like did a recon yeah. of buds, you know, the buds compound. Yeah. And I remember like looking over the berm, and there were some pull-up bars and some ropes. And then like I just looked around, and there wasn't a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> there was some logs laying there, and yeah. the on the obstacle course, and I was just like thinking where is everything like yeah. but that was everything they yeah. needed <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't need much to you fucking don't, don't torture the much. shit out of somebody nope. the fucking but water in the sand is most of it i was like yeah but yeah. the anticipation was crazy you know and same yeah. for hell week like i had hell week built up in my head to where like i thought satan was gonna pop out of the ground yeah. and fucking lead yeah. log pt and just crush us yeah. and then you know and i and I, it had to have been that way for a lot of other guys too because there was dudes in our tent before breakout that just sitting there so anxious they quit yeah because you know the unknown was just they had it built up in their head so fucking bad that they just quit yeah you know and i had and i was i had it built up pretty bad in my head as well yeah you know and especially with all the the stories you hear and 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 look at the numbers like the numbers don't lie like a lot of motherfuckers quit and so i was just like holy shit what's gonna happen i don't know and then Two seconds after it started and I see the same instructors that have been beating my ass for the last couple months, I'm like, oh, okay, fuck. There's I'm, no horns. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna make it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then I was like, I instantly had that mindset and then the rest of the week I was fucking grinning ear to ear because yeah. I knew I was going to make it. Yeah. How, how old were you when you... Uh, 18. Going through Buds 18? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was the same, same way. I know uh, for me there was an element of... Uh, ignorance is bliss. Like I think I was a little too young and naive, and, and almost just too fucking dumb to know any better. Yeah, you know, like I really was. I was young enough to recover from everything, and and just uh, you know, it wasn't a big deal. But, I was uh, definitely young, dumb, and strong, but uh, yeah, I I was super immature. Yeah, you know, compared like you don't know what you don't know, man. You're 18 years old. You're a dumb fucking kid, and all you 18 year olds that are listening are dumb fucking kids, and you don't know yeah. what you don't know, and that's okay. Yeah. You will. And here's the good news. Yeah, here's the good news. You get older <laughs> and you learn, and uh, then you look back at yourself and you're like, oh my god, I was fucking retarded. retarded. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Before Sarah discovered chumbacasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained. Covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Yep. <laughs> and no, so all the guys who I went through buds with and all the people that were older than me and had to deal with me, I'm sorry for my bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry for my immaturity. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm working on it. I'm getting yeah. better every day. Yeah. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great shit, man. I love it. Um, all right. So uh, moving, moving on, uh, and like I said, you, so you cross over into MMA. Um, now you're, you're, you just got out of the, out of the Navy earlier this year. Yep. Uh, and now you've, you've transferred over into, uh, being a full blown professional fighter. What, uh, tell me, you know, kind of what's next for you, um, in, in terms of your, your fighting career, uh, fighting career next for me, I'm making my LFA debut, which is like, a, a step under the UFC. I'd say they're like a feeder league. Um, they've put, I think, like 80 people in the UFC, something like that. So, you know, just crawl, walk, run type shit. So yeah. uh, I'm just, I'm trying to do it correctly, you know. I'm sure that I could throw around the SEAL thing and and make my way to the UFC, like, you know, kind of like a CM Punk situation, you yeah. know. And But I don't want to end up like CM Punk and just get my ass whipped, you know. That yeah. There's levels to this shit. There's levels to everything, and fighting is certainly one of them. And, yeah. uh you get put in there at the highest level and you're not ready, you're going to get your fucking ass beat. Well, yeah, I remember. The, in front of everybody yeah. on TV. You know? Yeah, I mean, there, there was another team guy, I think uh, Brendan or Brandon Wolf. Brandon Wolf, Wolf yeah, I think. That I, I remember seeing a fight. He fought, uh, uh, who was it? Fuck, I don't even remember who he fought, but I mean, he got his fucking ass handed to him. Like, yeah. it was embarrassing. I mean, he's you know? he's the man in the arena, so yeah, I, can't, I can't knock him. But yeah. uh, it's, it's also definitely... Um, it's just one of those things where you, you don't want to you don't want to bite off more than you can chew and and there so I guess this is the one thing in my life where I'm like Planning taking ahead. the right steps you know <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. I don't know yeah no, we'll I see how it goes you keep uh, keep going so the um, going well so far <laughs> yeah so uh, talk about your uh, the the massive uh, supplements and and uh, uh, you know company that you're a part of started uh, type. Yeah, so uh, Massive Apparel is the clothing line that I started, and um, it honestly started because of these shirts I'm wearing, the Smash and Frog shirt. This is my fight shirt, and it was like my walkout shirt, you know, and uh, I had all my sponsors on the back of it, and that was a way to advertise for my sponsors, and um and also just kind of gain gain a little bit of money back for me, you know. So I would sell the shirts and sell the advertisement spots on the back, and and that was kind of a way to make make some money and everything like that. And I 
but I really enjoyed seeing people wear my shirts and support me. I thought it was just awesome. And, uh, I would get like super excited whenever I saw someone wearing my shirt and, yeah. uh, but the, you know, it's got a big green fucking frog on it. It looks like a Ninja Turtle and shit. So <laughs> people aren't going to wear it all the time. Like, so then I wanted to come up with more common designs or like something that people could wear daily or every day. And, and at the time, you know, I had a pretty decent size following on Instagram and a lot of people were telling me that I was motivational and this and that inspirational. And, you know, I didn't really understand it. I was just me being me living my life. And I thought it was cool that like people could draw something from that. And, uh, you know, and I was saying mindset is everything a lot just in general. And so I threw it on a t-shirt and, yeah. you know, I have a little bit of an artistic background or, you know, so I came up with a couple of designs that I thought were cool and I integrated like some of the, the, my team guy, like, you know, history or whatever into them, like subtly and, uh, with, with like putting the tridents in, you know, as like M's or whatever, you know, yeah. the, the W warrior mindset. And I, I thought they were cool t-shirts that, that didn't scream Navy SEAL and, but still had that subtle hint, you know, of team guyness. And I was, and I'm proud of, I'm definitely proud of, uh, the, the small piece that I got to be a part of in the overall grand scheme of teams. You yeah. know what I mean? No, I, I, I love the, the tip of the cap, if you will, to, uh, you know, to the tradition that is the SEAL teams. I mean, I have the same thing in, in my Tricos logo. There's and a, I think every, every Navy SEAL that has gotten out of the Navy and has started a business of some sort has something in it, has some sort yeah. of like reference to sure. the teams, you know, yeah. and, 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 and rightfully so, because, yeah. It's a it's a hard accomplishment that not a lot of people have done and yeah. and you should be proud of it and and I and I am proud of it and yeah. uh, but I also I'm not trying to um, pimp the trident or exploit it or anything like that. It's just a subtle subtle yeah. thing, just like yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's well done and uh, and well integrated and uh, I, I love what you've done with you know, with your career transitioning out for sure. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. But before we get into, uh, the next guest, I just want to talk about the, the rim to rim fucking uh, experience yeah. real quick. <laughs> what, uh, what, how did that come about? And, uh, and tell me about that since you just came from that. Okay. Well, uh, <clears throat> without getting into, cause that could be a whole podcast on itself. The Greece, the Epic Greece March that we did last year, we did 240 miles on foot, retracing the steps of the Spartans from Sparta, Greece, to Thermopylae, Greece, which is where the battlefield of 300 took place. And uh, and I was very ill prepared for that, and uh, <laughs> but ended up kind of I you know I grew a lot during that thing, and it was in uh, just the most humbling slap from life that I've ever received, and. Yeah grew a lot from it met and was with an awesome group of people uh one of one of which is a guy named uh graham desert he owns a company called roofing 101 in san diego and in kansas city and um he was my roommate during that challenge and just you know we we, we connected um super close during that challenge and good kisser yeah super good kisser <laughs> <laughs> and uh we got to you know, got to experience that whole epic challenge together. And then he had, he had reached out and challenged me to do this rim to rim to rim 
Grand Canyon challenge with him um, about maybe two months ago. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, that sounds pretty pretty fucking epic and yeah. pretty hard. And I don't I I don't shy away from hard challenges. You know, I I I think that that's you know the more hard challenges you take on and overcome like that's what makes you special that's what you know creates confidence and everything so i knew that it was going to suck really really bad and that i did not want to do it so that's why i signed up (laughs) you know i told him i was like okay i'll I'll do it it's about time where i really push myself and and uh you know practice what i preach yeah so uh in order to to remain credible as a motivator or yeah. whatever, I have to continue kick yourself in to, the balls to push myself, yeah. practice what I preach. So, yeah. anyway, I, I I swear to you, I planned on training for this thing, and <laughs> prepping for it, but then, you know, just yeah. the way I live my life, I, yeah. I got distracted by oh, we're doing this, oh, we're doing that, and yeah. you know, before I know it, I'm traveling all over the country with Kyle, doing motivational speaking and this and that. And um, it's been great and awesome, and I wasn't gonna give up one for the other, so I was like, I'll just deal with that when it comes. And uh, we were in New York City. We met up with um, a couple people down there, um, had a really awesome time, and gave a speech out there. And and then I had to fly straight from New York City to Phoenix, Got, got off the plane, drove two hours to the Grand Canyon with Graham, and we got two hours of sleep and then got right on the trail and, and started at 4 a.m., went went till midnight the next day. So 20 hours straight, nonstop, 52 miles. Uh, and you wore what kind of fucking shoes? Lacrosse? Lacoste, yeah. Lacoste, oh, they're, they're my everyday shoe. I, I wear any, them. Any particular reason you didn't bring a pair of fucking real hiking like trail I mean, runners dude, or these shoes are comfortable, you know? Like, <laughs> so <laughs> dude, it was planned. I run I run in these shoes. I, yeah. you know, right. I go to dressed up events in these shoes. I go to the movies in these shoes. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. my, it's my shoes, man. Yeah, So I figured, skin. I was like, well, these are the most comfortable <laughs> shoes I have. And if I'm going to go 52 miles, might as well be in those. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I definitely got a lot of weird looks and, and stuff. And people were just like, are you crazy? But yeah. Hey, my feet held up good. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that, that was a, that was one of the hardest days of my life for sure. Um, 52 miles, 20, 20, hours. 20 hours straight or, you know, 20,000 feet of elevation change and, uh, 60 degree temperature swings. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. I know a handful of people. I, I'd never been to the Grand Canyon. Yeah, so. For, it's like first time and uh, jumping out of a plane is the first time being in one. Almost. Yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, we started. It was sun was down. You know, it's four a.m. Yeah. and the group I was with, they're like, "All right, ready, go!" And we literally started running, like from clicked our watch. You know, yeah. Let, let's go. And I'm like, holy shit, and. Yeah. I knew that it was going to be, we had planned on like, I think 15 or 16 hours. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, oh my God, these guys are going to run that whole time or what? Like, yeah. and I ran the first nine miles or 10 miles and then I had to start walking up because we were going uphill and we went uphill for about freaking almost eight hours. <laughs> Jesus. What the, uh, the, the first thing that I think of in hearing that is doing rim to rim to rim is that halfway point's got to be an absolute mind fuck. Like to to me, it would be. Oh man, and it's one of those things where you have to be committed because in the Grand Canyon there there is no 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 way out yeah. other than 
you, you get helicoptered out. Yeah. You know, so once you commit down that trail, you have to go either back up or to the other side. Yeah. And um, I was pretty, like, my legs were cramping super bad. I'd already done, you know, just, I think I consumed, like, 450 ounces of water and that whole thing. And you burn, like, 10,000 calories. And I had, like, a bag of gorp, <laughs> like, good old raisins <laughs> and peanuts and uh, some cliff yeah. Bars, you know. Yeah. And, man, it was definitely super challenging and on two hours of sleep. Yeah. So when I got to, the, we got to the halfway point, which is actually less than half. It was 25 miles. Yeah. And uh, I think we were there at nine hours. So I knew like, okay, we've got at least that long to go. And the way back is longer. Yeah. And now I'm not fresh. Now my legs are already fucked. Yeah. And we've got longer to go. So it was definitely a... You know, and when we came to the to the halfway point, there was a car there, and one of the people in our group was like, "All right, I'm done." Like, yeah. I'm. That's like the uh, the like, instructor oh, the yep. instructor van in Hell Week with yep. the hot coffee. Oh, you got you can just jump in and be exactly. done. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly, and and that's yeah. exactly what my mentality was, man. Like, I knew, like, the easy route is quitting. Yeah. But I knew that, like, no matter how bad this next 27 miles is going to fucking suck. Yeah. It will come to an end. Yeah. If I keep putting one foot in front of the other, eventually I will get there, whether it's three days from now and I'm crawling, yeah. but at least it'll be, I'll, it'll be done and I did it and I didn't quit. Yeah. And if I would have fucking quit, it would have given me instant relief at that moment. But a but lifetime regret. The, the next morning when I woke up, I would fucking be ready to kill myself probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it's, yeah, I mean, this too shall pass. I mean, like, yeah, this too shall pass. I mean, I I use that, that mentality, you know, in buds the whole fucking time. And, and to me, I mean, especially as an instructor, there was so many times where I saw guys making these life altering decisions to hang it up. And I was just like, I wish you had some fucking idea of what you're doing. You just don't. Man, choices are, yeah, they can literally just set your life on a completely different path. Oh, every one of them, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what life is. It's made up of fucking choices, yep. and, you, and you either make the right ones or the fucking wrong and ones. And where you are now is a consequence of all the choices you've yeah. made. Yep, added up. Absolutely, it is. Uh, that's good shit, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so, just two things, real quick. When, uh, when, and what is your next fight? Uh, my next fight will be with LFA, and it will be at the end of July sometime. I'm not sure exactly. Do you know who you're fighting yet or no? I don't. Yeah. Whoever they put in front of me, I'm going to punch them in the face yeah. as hard as I can. Kick them in the nuts. <laughs> uh, okay, that is one thing I'm going to fucking bring up real quick, just having never been in an MMA fight. But here's one thing I don't get. Like, I, I was a... When I played baseball growing up, I was a catcher. There was times where even wearing a cup, I got hit in the nuts with the fucking ball, and, like, it was uncomfortable, but... Here's one thing I don't understand, and it, like it reminds me, and you tell me if I'm if I'm fucked up here, but uh, it reminds me of soccer players to a certain extent. When I see guys in the in a, at a high level MMA fight, they get brushed in the fucking nuts, or or even kicked square on it wearing a cup, and they and they fucking fold. It's like, dude, you just got elbowed in the fucking neck, yeah, or, or you know, kneed in the face. Well, here's the thing with that. Okay, um, I recently got hit in the shaft 
like crushed my shaft through the ball, like worst knee I've ever received. And that was during sparring. Uh, shout out to <laughs> Imani Smith. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't wearing a cup. And that like really, it folded me. And, sure. Well, and, uh, without a cup, absolutely. Yeah, it, it folded me. But normally, like I normally never <clears throat> spar with a cup or a mouth guard or headgear, none of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've taken groin shots and it's not that bad. But that one was the worst I've ever had in my life. But yeah. With what you're talking about in the cage, like this and that, the, so the rule set, you get five minutes. No, yeah, I mean, it's, so it's you, a calculated break. Yeah, if you get hit in the in the groin or whatever, they'll give you five minutes yeah. if, if you want to. Like, yeah. no one, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anyone take the full five minutes because I think your opponent, the crowd, everyone is looking at you like, are Come you on, fucking man. ready, pussy? Yeah. You know, like... Well, is, I mean, your, I mean, is your balls okay yet? Are yeah, you ready to fight? I mean, like, that's the one... So the I one. think, like... People will take a little bit to catch a breather and maybe like, okay, I'm good again. And yeah. then they'll go back in. I rarely, I don't think I've ever seen anyone take the full five minutes. But, but, I mean, but to your point, I think they're doing it just for it's tactical. It's like soccer players. Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, the, the irony of it is like from a rule soccer. standpoint. Yeah, same here. But, for, but from a rule just standpoint. Just for that reason. Yeah. From a rule standpoint, though, you've got... The, the one area of your body that's actually fucking protected and, and you get the most time allotted if you get hit there. Like, like I don't know. I've always wondered, like, dude, come on. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to know. Good good inside tip on the MMA fights. But, just uh, the tip. Yeah, just the tip, just for a minute. <laughs> Uh, which leads us into the next guest. Now, the uh, so before we get into that, one last thing: uh, where can people find you? Whether it's social media, uh, uh, you know, yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty much only on uh, Instagram. It's at Mitch underscore Aguiar A G U I A R. Or you can type in Smashing Frog, no G in Smashing, just Smashing Frog, and I'll pop up. Or you pop up, huh? That's right. All right. Um, any in terms of business, the Massive Apparel and uh, uh, Massive Apparel, you can find at Massive Apparel M A S F Apparel dot com, and uh, it's coming real soon. Massive Supplements, All but right. that'll I'm pretty sure we'll be on the same website. Great shit. All right. So now we are going to transition on to our second guest um, and. Ladies and gents, bear with me. The uh, the intro uh, for this guest is both long and distinguished, kind of like his Johnson. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I like this guy already. Fake right. news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Save so the best for last. that's right. Bringing it up, bringing it up the rear. All right, that's no more his style. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, here we go. We uh, have with us today. First, let me let me preface it with uh, I'm I'm extremely fucking humbled and honored to have this gentleman here. He's been all over the fucking place uh, and has a really really neat story. Uh, does a lot of motivational speaking and and uh, but just just a, an incredible influence and and a really really good guy to to have here. So I'm I'm stoked to bring this guest to you. But uh, he is a motivational speaker, a New York Times bestselling author, an entrepreneur a two-time ESPY award winner, a mixed martial arts athlete, the first quadruple amputee to summit Mount Kilimanjaro and Mount, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Ikenkagwa. without prosthetics, a champion wrestler, a CrossFit certified instructor and gym owner, a competitive MMA and Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter, a world record-setting weightlifter, a skilled mountaineerist, we'll call it that, uh, He's been on Good Morning America. He's been uh, on the CBS Early Show, Oprah Winfrey, Larry King, 2020, ESPN, HBO's Real Sports, CNN, multiple documentaries, including A Fighter's Chance, which is uh, currently available on Netflix, 
And in terms of charity work, he's got involvement with K2 Adventure Foundation, Ambassador of No Barriers USA, uh, the USO Wounded Warrior Project, the Travis Mannion Foundation, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and the Honor Foundation. And most importantly, he is also an incredible kisser. Please welcome <laughs> Kyle Maynard. Mostly just the latter, but yeah, yeah I don't just, know who that just, guy was that you're yeah. talking about. I just, just bragging I'm, about you. Well, I know. I'm kind of just I, yeah. fat and lazy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what? He's just a turd. <laughs> are we talking about the same guy? Fake news. Yeah, yeah. he's a turd. This is all fake news. What are you talking about? The old oh, Kyle did all that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he died a long time ago. <laughs> I'm retired now. I don't do any of that anymore. No, it's, uh, it's really fucking cool having you here. I know, and this is for both you guys, uh, yeah, I know you're both busy as fuck. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that I always try to reiterate is not just thanking the, the supporters and the, and the listeners, but the fact is, is this show wouldn't be what it is uh, and would not exist if it weren't for awesome guys like you that are willing to come all the fucking way out here uh, at a moment's notice and, and adjust your schedules. Uh, I know it's inconvenient as fuck, but uh, I appreciate the hell out of you. Yeah, coming. man. Can't you move closer to civilization? Yeah. No. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> Louise. Not, yeah. not, not, with the, not with the asshole dogs that I have. <laughs> yeah, of. it's true. Your yeah. dogs could kill a small yeah. city. So, so <laughs> yep. The, uh, unfortunately, that, that comes with it. But uh <clears throat> So we'll get uh, we'll get into all the accomplishments here in a minute. I like to just get the get the brain juice flowing oh, yeah. um, with a, just kind of a quick lightning round. What uh, what is your morning routine? Hopefully it's more uh, structured. Yeah, more structured than <laughs> yeah, definitely less. not. Yeah. <laughs> if it's possible to be less structured, then I don't know how you get it any less structured. I, I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow but, but, I find but a way. But prepare to stand the fuck by. <laughs> I, I keep Kyle yeah. on track. No if shit. The, if that tells you anything, holy fucking Christ. <laughs> Blind leading yeah, the blind yeah, here is yeah, a heavy <laughs> understatement. Uh, so no morning routine for you either then? I mean, coffee. Yeah. Coffee, coffee, yeah. coffee yeah. rest. Yeah. I don't know. I, I describe my life like in, you know, just sort of like moments in between, um, you know, sheer terror, excitement, bliss, you know, and just kind of, I mean, it's, it's every day is something different and unique. It's, and I wouldn't have it any other way, but routine has been something I've been lacking. I mean, in, to be all honest, kind of busting your balls, like coming out here, but like, this is like, you're kind of living, living my dream, you know, sure. out here. Well, and there's room. Comancheria, yeah. you know, and like, you're, you just, you know, getting away from kind of the, just the normal, whatever, whatever's kind of perceived as like the normal grind. I, I, I think that I want to increasingly, spend kind of half my time more in you know I'm, I'm kind of a creature of solitude at times you yeah. know and then other times you know i love being with people and in groups and all that but i, yeah. I definitely enjoy my alone time yeah i'm the same way i mean that's why i'm here it's it's a nice mix of being able to be out here and and piss out in the front yard and shoot out the back and yeah just pee on your floor a minute yeah. ago i mean, that, <laughs> I, I mean that, you're not the first <laughs> no you, you did it before not, i did certainly so. not the last <laughs> snitch uh, <laughs> but uh yeah no i mean that's uh I, I love it out here for sure. But um, all right, so uh, do you have a favorite food? Mm, Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms. No shit. Yeah, probably. I mean, not you yeah, know, vitamin steak. D. Vitamin D steak milk for or? sure. I mean, if I'm going to be an honest, like an honest answer, it'd just be a good like ribeye. Yeah. Uh, aged or? Um. You, yeah, you have, I can go for like a, yeah, like a aged ribeye. I, think. I mean, fa- for me, just like a good grass fed steak, knowing that I'm getting something from it. Like I don't know. Yeah. You know, do you, do you have of, a favorite purveyor of meat other than Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
That's great. No, yeah, I think <laughs> that shit's prime. <laughs> I wish I were more I'd give you a more cultured answer. I'd say probably I'd I'd pair it with a a Malbec, uh, Malbec red wine grape, and I think just prob- primarily due to the story behind that that the. Yeah. Uh, the Malbec grape was a as a worst to first example, mm-hmm. and as we were speaking about kind of earlier, um, with a number of things, whether it was the Comanche or any you know many a million other examples of myself, you know, it was sort of a worst to first kind of story. Yeah, and um, the Malbec grape was a trash grape in France, but when they brought it to Argentina and started growing it at higher altitudes, harsher climates, colder weather, then it thrived. Yeah, so. Is there a, fa- a favorite place you like to get a steak from? Oh, man. Um, Whether it's a restaurant or buying it from... I, you know, what's funny is... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... I, I, I wouldn't say... Like, I'm, I'm probably, like, middle of the road in terms of classiness, but lately when I've been going to these restaurants with Mitch that he just purely wants to go to Longhorn and just bitches about anything that's yeah. not that. <laughs> I so. like Outback Steakhouse, too. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Really classing it up. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I mean, we are in Texas, so I, I think we, we could yeah. we could church it up a little bit. Texas Longhorn. We'll, we'll get you some barbecue here at the end of this for lunch, for sure. But, uh, well, good shit. Uh, do you have a favorite activity when you're not pushing the fucking envelope the way that you seem to always do? Uh, favorite activity would be, I don't know. I mean, is uh, I don't know. Maybe this sounds too nerdy, but I love to learn anything I can possibly. Like, I just, I love learning new stuff and yeah. whether it's teaching myself how to program a website or photography videography uh i don't know i mean teach myself a, like you know in the future want to learn how to play a guitar or something i don't know i mean like it might be like how's a guy without hands gonna go and play guitar but i'll just yeah. figure it out yeah it kind of just pick you up got toes yeah yeah <laughs> and tongue you know there's all kinds of things but, La- ladies you heard that right. <laughs> if he can play the guitar with with his tongue <laughs> he can play you with his tongue the uh, I don't know I love I love learning love and also too being around people too that um, inspire that like growth yeah. I mean even when we're just kind of screwing around yeah not you know doing anything grandiose I mean just the the, the philosophizing that occurs I think is probably my favorite yeah that's awesome I uh, I mean to me that's without a doubt I think you know human beings where they where they really lose their shit is when they stop doing that you know um, I mean when you stop mm. challenging yourself and stop learning it. Uh, I think everything starts to fucking shut down, you know. Yeah, so that's a, sure. that's a good point, no doubt about it. Um, do you have a Do you have a favorite booze or drink? Uh, I'm a wine guy for sure. Oh, sure. Red wine, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I see the Malbec grave coming back yeah. to that. It's probably my yeah. favorite. All right, a little refined up in this motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I mean, I like bourbon, but uh, right. you know, that's <laughs> at least one of us is a man in here. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> but, um, all right, uh, best vacation spot you've ever been to. Mm. It has to be a vacation spot. It can't be uh, just some place where you've summited fucking Mount Mount Placentia, Belize. Belize. Placentia, Belize. Yeah, in southern Belize. Why? Uh, why is that your favorite? What um, is it about it? It was a kind of magical, transformative experience of being there in the first place. Um, yeah. You know, uh, met. Uh, Kind of uh, one of my best friends, life partner of sorts, uh, Lexi, brought her down there with me 24 hours after I met her and like, just had filmed, photographed, videoed everything. Had um, It was really kind of where that passion was born for that. I went down to see a, a wedding and um, with some close friends and then just, just stayed and realized it was, you know, it was, it was just beautiful um, and, and really fell in love with the art of video and film there. 
Oh, cool. Well, shit, that's awesome. I, uh, I've not been, but it uh, sounds, sounds like a pretty fucking badass place, huh? It's also my favorite place. For Belize. different reasons. Belize. Same. <laughs> Same reason. I love it. Yeah. Oh, shit. Beautiful. Great diving. And it's cheap. It's pretty fucking inexpensive there, yeah. too, right? Yeah. Like, really cheap. Yeah. And, we should uh, be careful telling people about it, though, because yeah. it's going to get overpopulated <laughs> by assholes. Stay away. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. Um, all right. So, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, or Vikings? Game of Thrones, Vikings. I mean, those two. Yeah, for sure. I gave up on Walking Dead. It was just too... Uh, but, I mean, I would say, yeah, Game of Thrones, I'm like a borderline historian of it and oh, shit. Ragnar Lothbrook I feel pretty connected to his boneless uh, uh, son yeah so yeah, yeah no shit that's fucking great uh, so I already with you walking through here already we found out your favorite book is uh, Empire of the Moon right Empire, Empire of the Summer Moon, Moon. yeah uh, do you have a favorite author or is that your favorite author also um my favorite author would probably be either Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, or John Paul Sartre, who's a French philosopher. But yeah. um, do you yeah. find reading uh, self-reliance that I know for me, uh, like I have to read a page three or four fucking times to really grasp what he's trying to yeah. say? Like I'm dumbfounded at the at the level of intellect that Emerson has. Or, or his ability to, to capture his thoughts in a manner in which makes it really difficult for modern day morons like me yeah, to, to really know. understand. No, that's actually something I've, I've thought about a lot lately. I almost feel like, uh, you know, we're, we're in like a, a regression and evolution intellectually. Oh, fucking absolutely. You know? I mean, it's, uh, what's that movie? Uh, Idiocracy. Idiocracy. Yeah. Like, holy shit. You know, I mean, it's it's coming true and it's fucking I scary. Mean, we got living proof right here with this <laughs> orangutan looking water. That shit in the toilet. He's <laughs> body I, drained you mostly. I mean, I don't throw it at you. Electrolytes. Yeah. It's what plants crave. <laughs> it's got what plants crave. That's <laughs> uh, fucking great. Uh, do you have a favorite quote? Uh, yeah. I, I uh, Well, there's three that I sort of, I would say, form the sort of like triangle of my existence. One was um, uh, my first team guy friend, Richard Mackwitz. He was, um, yeah. I don't know if you know I, Mac, yeah. he would have been in probably around the same time. A little before me, but yeah. 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 So he was a host of a discovery show, Future Weapons, mm -hmm. and did a bunch of really cool stuff with his life. He had a, uh, he had a, podcast, or a radio show here in uh, Texas. Um, but, uh, and Mac... Um, he I know he fought cancer, right up to the end. Yeah, yeah. Fought brain cancer and passed away last year to the same brain tumor that got my grandma. But his quote was not dead. Can't quit. Yeah. I think it's the simplest four word philosophy, <laughs> you know, of just how to live your life. Yeah. Not dead. Can't quit. So yeah. that, and I would say then, you know, begs the question of like, where do we go? And I think Emerson answered that where he said, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, okay, if we don't go where the path may lead, you know, what's the true north? And Joseph Campbell said to follow your bliss. He said, follow your bliss and the universe will open doors where previously there are only walls and doors will open for you that wouldn't have opened for anyone else. Yeah. Well, and to me, like there's, there's a really, um, I think like pure element to you living your life, ad adhering to those, those sentiments pretty, pretty much to a T uh, you know, try to, you, I mean, know, you know, it's definitely like yeah. fall short sometimes, but well, I mean, to me, like you've been handed circumstances that, uh, that, that lends itself to, to kind of have to live that way to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. I mean, and so, but to me, like, just like with anything, you know, life, life hands you hands, all of a certain, certain sets of cards or situations that, uh, you know, that we all have to deal with. 
and you either you know do the best you can and and make the best out of whatever those cards are or, exactly. or you fucking whine about it and fold and, and yep. quit and whatever and and to me life like life is indifferent i think to your yeah to your you bullshit know. right you know, totally. yeah, yeah absolutely it is it, it's it's very inspiring and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to getting into some of the elements of of, uh, of your story in that regard so you, you were born with a condition called congenital amputation, right? right? Uh, can you explain to our listeners kind of what, what that encompasses? Yeah, so basically give people a visual. My <coughs> arms end at the elbow and my legs end at the knee, effectively. I have feet, three toes each foot. My arms kind of like no elbow joint, but um, arms and right at the elbow. So basically um, sort of symmetrical quadruple amputee for the most part. And yeah, um, yeah I... Uh, Parents had no idea this was going to happen when I was born. Normal ultrasounds and all that. And uh, incidentally, I was born at Walter Reed, which is, as I'm sure most of your listeners probably would be aware, that it's a uh, the main, really one of the main hospitals, in, you know, in the military, but in, in particular with um, with amputees and rehabilitation. Totally unrelated. Me, me being born there just happened to be kind of a coincidence. It was, um, but with that, um, my you know, my dad is in the military. Uh, he was an army MP. And got out shortly a couple weeks after I was born and so I was born in DC but then spent first 10 years of my life in Indiana and so in, in terms of, of were you born essentially exactly the way that, that you are now or yeah yeah so doctors I mean they wanted to have some you know throughout options of surgery things like that to fit prosthetics better and my dad he thankfully said you know they wanted to take my feet primarily and yeah. he was like you know you could always take away but you can't ever get back yeah so thankfully that that was the case because I mean in wrestling and jujitsu I use my feet a lot. Yeah, that's uh yeah I mean to me it's something that do you know statistically like what what type of an outlier and percentage wise of what uh, how many people I know it's probably I mean it's fraction be in percentage the but millions tens of millions and, yeah. and I think it's every every um, every two thousand kids or twenty five hundred kids have some sort of amputation of a finger <sighs> finger or toe something like that. Yeah. The, the sort of common theory right now is a thing called amniotic banding where the, somehow the amniotic sac forms around the, the limb and cuts off circulation and development. That We don't know that that to be the case in yeah. my situation. They didn't really have an answer at the time. And yeah, just <laughs> kind of yeah. like luck of the draw, which I, I, you know, at the time would have thought was the worst thing in the world, you know, when I was younger. But now, I mean, it's, it is the best thing that I've ever had happen to me. It's yeah. You know, primary reason why we're sitting here talking right now. Yeah. Well, and, and to me, you know, thinking about it and, and getting ready for this interview, I, you know, trying to, to draw perspective, um, you know, which obviously everybody has their own perspective and you, you can't have somebody else's, but trying to, I, you know, one of the things I always try to do is put myself in, in who I'm interviewing in their mm -hmm. shoes. Uh, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, really the, the most valuable way or, or uh, important way to go about it. But thinking about your childhood and that, you know, I'm I'm curious as to you know is there had to have been an element of well fuck you don't have anything to compare it to right yeah. it's not like you know soldiers or or people that are in accidents that had them and then now don't right you know so there there's 
I would imagine in the, in terms of, of, you know, a silver lining or looking at it from somewhat of a positive is, is that you don't have oh, yeah. a, a contrast to, to, to sure. draw from, right? You know, um, it's actually, I mean, it does, I mean, in that regard, kind of make it a little bit of like, like fake news in my whole story. Cause I mean, truly is, cause it's like, I've, you know, I've definitely known one way. And so when yeah. I go and screw on my phone, yeah. then people lose their minds, yeah. but really it's, it's, like, it's, well, how else it's not that do? big of a deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, but so, <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, obviously there's, there's still an element of yeah. the world is not set up totally for that, you know, so there, there's a learning curve, but it, you know, again, just thinking of it from a, not a fake news standpoint, <laughs> but, uh, I think that's why people like when they hear you climb Ikenkago or something like that, or Kilimanjaro, it's just so above their head. Like they would never do yeah. that. Most people would never do that themselves, but they can relate to texting. <laughs> they yeah. see yeah. you texting and yeah. they're just like, holy fuck, how does yeah. he do that? That's a good point. But I mean, truly, it's funny. You know, I think that it, it's just kind of funny to me how like uh, the texting thing could, you know, draw just as much or more attention yeah. from somebody as climbing a mountain that, yeah. you know, killed a man in the group ahead of me, you know, yeah. like yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah, no, no but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's an element to it. That, well, I mean, like you're just talking about idiocracy. Like, I mean, that's most people are that fucking stupid and shallow, though. You know, I mean, it's like that's what they can relate to is fucking with their phone. Yeah, so no, I mean, yeah, and I mean, truly, it's it, it's something where it's been a great, I think, sort of spiritual meditative practice in a way to kind of uh, put that in check and realize, you know, it, it, like people, because when a lot of times people see me for the first time, you know, then. For instance, the easiest example is a gate agent boarding a flight. And if I'm by myself, then, um, you know, they, they kind of, they don't know what to do. Yeah. They don't know what to do. And are very concerned in my ability to go and get on the plane. And I kind of, you know, I'll go to ask if I need assistance. I'll tell them, no, I'll be fine. And then, you know, some, most of the time that that's okay. Like, but you know, I, I see the look of disbelief on their face. And then sometimes people go and argue and say that it's this huge liability if they don't help me and all this shit. I'm like, it's going to be way more dangerous if you help me. And in fact, <laughs> I'm just going to kill you and hide your body because it'll be quicker. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can imagine. I mean, that, you know, it, it, there's gotta be an element of uh, that, you know, again, not having anything to compare it to, but the, you know, an element of, of always being accommodated for to a certain extent that, I mean, does it get old or is it just like, well, that's just fucking part of life. And I, I mean, now it's something I, I greatly appreciate. And I think, you know, I, I look back on, you know, just kind of where I am today. And, and frankly, I mean, one of the things I, I I have learned from this orangutan looking motherfucker next to me, but <laughs> is to, you know, go to speak truth, you know, and the fact that, you know, um, even joking around with you more kind of openly as, as a, you know, fellow friend, brother, like it's kind of just, you know, it's new to me. I think I, I became sort of in the media spotlight when I was younger mm -hmm. and sort of molded a lot of, you know, just the things that I would, would say or not say. Yeah. Um, now I want to kind of open that up and, and just, be fully authentic. Not that I haven't been before, but I just, I wasn't much yourself, but I realized that, you know, I've had people look at me and misunderstand me my whole life. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference in, in any regard, if I go and do that, like, yeah. whether it was in the grocery store and had kids stare at me or make fun of me or something like that. Well, that was the greatest gift. He talked about man in the arena. I mean, it's kind of been, not just in the comp competitive sense, but I've kind of had that man in the arena, the experience of the man in the arena, anywhere I'd go in public from yeah. kindergarten on, you know, or even earlier. No, I, I mean, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, to me, the, the mentality that, uh, you know, that has to be ever present, you know, with, with maintaining, a, 
you know, an even keeled mindset that way, um, you know, is, is powerful. And again, that's why I think you're, you're so sought after with, uh, with, you know, the motivational speeches and, uh, and all of your public speaking. But, you know, one of the things to your point of, you know, for lack of better terms, lightening the fuck up, yeah. you know, as it relates to joking with people and, and being a little more kind of forthcoming with talking about things is that's one thing that I love about, you know, the military and veterans in general is, is, I mean, it borders on kind of a dark or even twisted sense of humor, but right. like the way we joke with each other about anything, you know, whether yeah. it's an inadequacy, a physical, you know, issue, deformity, an injury, a fucking, you For know, sure. whatever, like, I think that's the reason we have the ability to deal and cope with it a lot of times. I mean, you know, like whether it's guys getting killed and you're taking their fucking boots or, you know, guys get injuries and we, you know, they make fun of each other about it or, or whatever, but it, it's, it kind of gives everybody the ability to take a fucking sigh of relief a little yeah. bit and, and, and just lighten up and, and not take everything so fucking serious, you know, which to me is important. It is important, you know, and it's, it's something that's interesting. You bring that up and I, um, you know, I think about, you know, the way that we kind of joke with each other, right. That, you know, m- like Mitch, you know, his, his, what's your nickname for me? A tiny man. But specifically, the easiest. <laughs> uh, well, I, I have to give credit. That was my buddy Cody Vanner. He, he came up with that. Book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the little incy winciest, itty bittiest, <laughs> tiniest little man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. But, well, so, I mean, but. He said something. Didn't you say, like, I, I'd be like a a slow human or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he yeah. was, he was saying like, yeah, I mean, I would, I would be pretty like, pretty much like a slow human. I'm like, you are a slow human. <laughs> <laughs> You're we were, pretty much like when you yeah. are a slow human. slightly altered state yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, to me, the, I, I think the, the neat part about that is that, you know, again, like if, if people, like people, especially with the politically correct, um, mentality that so many fucking people have, and I talk about this on just about every episode, but, um, is, is just how big of a pain in the ass that is and, and how ultimately I think it's a detriment to our society that people can't just not take themselves so fucking serious about everything, you know, and, and uh, everybody has things about them that, uh, you know, may may lead to insecurities or uh, or things that, that, you know, if if they tap dance around them that they're going to that they're going to have a fucking issue with. Yeah. But, but by joking about it, talking about it, whatever, like it's, you know, you realize it's not that big of a deal and you can just, you know, like I said, lighten the fuck up. But. You know, I think it's kind of, it's, a, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's absolutely a balance to it too, because I, I get the fact that, um, you know, for instance, and this is, you know, I'm kind of all over the map politically, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but truly in most things, I try to approach it from like a, a, a middle, middle way, right? Like, uh, Lexi, who I mentioned is sort of like my ultimate, like a uh, feminine, um, but counterbalance to mm-hmm. like the Mitch Aguiar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of want to be able to go and hear things from all sides and all perspectives and go and hear, okay, you know, like what, what is the reason that people are offended by something? Right. And go yeah. and look at it there and, and, and not use humor as a way to avoid and overstep, but use it as a way to heal, you know, yeah. as a way to be able to, acknowledge that, yeah, you know, there are some real messed up things in the world. And, and frankly, all my favorite cultures throughout history, the Spartans and the Vikings, they would have easily, you know, gladly thrown me off the cliff and discarded me. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that there were advocates who (laughs) fought for, you know, before me. Right. That then, I would have tossed him for sure. Yeah, no, he still would try. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's no use for this thing. God damn it, there's no mountains. 
Yeah, no. but you know, I mean, it's just it, it's, it's striking that balance because I mean, I, I hear people use humor as a way to go and completely discredit and you know and invalidate people, but I also see it as a way too, like to your point, where people go and take things way too serious. Yeah. Again, it's coming back to that sort of yin yang, sort of like one foot in each world. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson would talk about order, order and chaos, right? Like yeah. I want to try to have one foot in each. Yeah, yeah, no, one I'd... like half foot or whatever yeah, I got. I, yeah, no, I think it's uh, in, incredibly well well put and spoken and uh, and I agree 100%. I mean, I, I talk about balance a lot, um, you know, in, in on this show and, and just in life in general. And I think, uh, you know, to the yin-yang point, um, I mean, all of life is that way, you know, whether it's work and play or, yeah. uh, you know, serious and lighthearted. I mean, you, you can't just be a fucking goofball your whole goddamn life, but you can't be... Uh, you know, the staunch, you know, fucking Nazi about everything either. And, and, uh, you know, but, but it's that way with everything. And to me, I guess ultimately it's just, it's, it's really refreshing to, to see, you know, somebody with, you know, not a military background, but has similar challenges as as some of, of, you know, combat veterans that, that has, you know, a very similar outlook on life, you know, and to me, it, uh, it's just, it's a fucking, I think it's a great parallel. Well, that's really cool. Thank you. I mean, credit to my, I think my dad was a big part of, of that, you know, and the, the training that, you know, that he got in in the, in the army was, it kind of helped straighten him out. He was a screw up, you know, and lacked discipline and he would academically would, would admit that that he, you know, went out and, you know, got an engineering degree from like Indiana Purdue. So, you know, it kind of just completely straightened him out in that regard. But yeah, I mean, every, every single person on the planet, you know, has got challenges, right? Like all your audience is listening to this. Everybody's got some disability to go and deal with or some them thing, some series of things, right? Mm -hmm. And then suppression of those things, there's definitely not the way and and becoming a victim of those things is not the way it's kind of, you know, again, kind of that like middle road. It's somewhere between acknowledging what the situation is and, you know, blurring that line between acknowledging and becoming a victim to it and realizing that like, you know, there's an overcoming that exists sort of in the in the middle. And it would just struck me too, that I, I never really put this parallel together. I've always said, with work and play, it's the same way. I want to go and try to be able to not differentiate between the two. I mean, truly, like this is a, a work day for us. Mm. Are you kidding? You know, we show up to your your house just yeah. to hang out and like talk and yeah. you know. No, I agree. I mean, to me, like it's it's living the fucking dream. Yeah. I mean, we joke about it a lot, but for for me, it absolutely is. You I know? mean, there's people that actually do real work. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not here. Build but. houses or you know, like yeah. My dad just told me I don't have a job. <laughs> so, yeah, no, or, you don't have a job. Yeah, okay. yeah. well, if, if having a job means you fucking you know dra- have to drag your ass to it every day, I don't want a fucking job. Yeah, right now, totally. Uh, yeah, I told him I was like, yeah, I was really busy. Blah blah blah. He's like. <laughs> You don't have a job. You're not busy. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're not miserable, you don't have a job. Well, fuck yeah. that. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's great shit. Um, it, so, in terms of your childhood and growing up, um, you know, can you walk us through just kind of a, a synopsis of that in terms of, you know, on both sides of the to- the, the coin is you know some challenges you face, but then also kind of the 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 how it how it led you onto the path uh you know of, of having that mentality that, that you you know hold so fiercely and, and and dearly to yourself today like what what was that like growing up and, and how did that uh, transpire yeah you know um i think uh i i didn't really know any different you know growing yeah. up i think i was a big part for a vast majority of it, at least it was kind of the the main thing he talked about how he didn't really know what he was getting into with yeah. buds you know it that was my same experience with wrestling or football, any of that. Um, and yeah, I think sort of ignorance is bliss is, you know, there's kind yeah. of a beauty of that. Right. But it just, yeah. because my parents didn't overemphasize the disability 
in my childhood. Mm-hmm. It was there for sure. I mean, it was a big thing. I mean, at 10 years old, I was, I was ready to give up on my life. I mean, it was like hard, right? Like yeah. that was probably the peak difficulty. And in particular, moving from Indiana down to Georgia where I grew up for, you know, Georgia most of my, my life. And then before I moved to San Diego and about four and a half years ago, but I don't know, you know, long story short, my dad wanted to go and try to build that independence. My mom, you know, she was kind of there to, you know, emotionally support and, and, and rally the neighborhood to go and play street hockey or wrestling matches or, you know, have, they didn't have money, but they would buy a super Nintendo to get kids to come over the house and play. And, yeah. and that, it was, I think the more I, as an adult can kind of unpack and uncover what they did, I'm, I'm increasingly grateful for it. Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like, uh, there's a lot of, I think, paralleled lessons that can be drawn from that just like you said i mean I, I see it with my kids i see it with kids you know across the board there's we've we've transformed as a society into into a very victim mentality with everything uh you know to me it, it almost seems like like a lot of kids growing up um you know now granted it's it's being led into that mentality by by adults which i think is a fucking travesty but it's almost like everybody has to find their reason reason to be a goddamn victim. You know, it's like everybody, everybody's looking for, for their reason for people to feel sorry for them. Um, and, and to me, like, I, I think it's such a fucking detriment to our, our society. But to me, what's what, what I love hearing about your story is, is the, is the opposite of that. Like if, if ever there's, you know, somebody to, to fall into that category of, of it being an easy, path to go down of feeling sorry for yourself or or even having parents that are constantly you know trying to complain and and make circumstances be altered and whatever it sounds like they didn't do that and and that's you know probably one of the biggest reasons if not the biggest why you're you're who you are today oh yeah for sure i have no idea what i'd be doing with my life if they i mean i I mean no joke would probably be a heroin addict yeah I have no idea. You yeah. know, I mean, it would have been unbearable, right? Yeah. yeah. But because they, the mindset that they took, then it was it it, it changed me. Yeah. Um, but I, I think also there's a you know something I try to bring attention and awareness to is the fact that uh, I heard it put once that where the attention goes, the energy flows, mm-hmm. right? And he, and I hear so many people with good intention say yeah. how shitty it is that we you know focus on that you know like you know that how victimized we're becoming and all that and. You know, I think there's there's a dance of bringing awareness and attention to it, and it also not giving it more credit, and you know, using our various voices and platforms to bring attention to our own, you know, personal truth. Right. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Yeah. And I, cause I think Mitch and I talk about this all the time. I think that there's actually a, a tremendously large population of people that don't fit the extremes that end up the very vocal extremes, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's on either end politically or religiously or, you know, scientifically, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, like the extremes somehow end up being the just the vocal majority of what you hear, yeah. but like there is a pretty decent sized chunk of us, you know, kind of somewhere, you know, yeah. trying to figure stuff out, and like people doing amazing stuff, and it, it just irks me that 
you know, we, we only talk about this certain things mm-hmm. because that is, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Yeah. But it's, you know, a big part of our mission, I think, is to go and try to like reframe that a little bit and, you know, say, hey, you know what? I mean, what my favorite story with that, that Mitch tells is, is not all of the, you know, crazy stuff that he's done, but it's how, um, you know, he, he showed up, he's um, staying at a hostel or something, you know, for cheap, you know, when he was training at Black House and MMA gym in LA. And one of the kids that was in the room with him, um, he was pretty overweight. And no, he, was, he was, oh, he wasn't? Not overweight. He was, he was kind of like a, like a nerdy kid that like didn't feel like he could, you know, really accomplish anything. Uh. And uh, and he was looking at me like saying like man you're a you're a Navy SEAL you're an MMA fighter you're this you're that and he's like I wish I could do that I'm like you absolutely can like I'm not any different than you we're just I'm just making different choices yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know and he was talking about fitness and everything and I was like well you want to go for a run and he's like oh I can't I can't go for a run because we were about to go for a beach run. And I was like, yeah, you can. You just do what you can, you know? And he's like, oh, no, I, I can't, I can't. Making excuses. And I was like, all right, man. Like, and I, I sat there with like for like 15 minutes telling him he could do this. And he's telling me he couldn't. And I'm like, 15 minutes has already passed. You could have already gone out and, and done a 10-minute run and come back. And it would have been done and accomplished by now. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Why don't you just grab your shit, come with me to the beach, We'll run, you can run three minutes out and then turn around and run three minutes back. Do you think you can do that? Like, can you physically do that? And he's like, yeah, I could, I could physically do that. And I said, okay, grab your shit. Let, let's start there. Yeah. So we went out, we went to the beach. He ran for three minutes. I stayed there with him. I actually went on, on Instagram live and like, you know, told the, told the story, you know, as he's running and then he comes back from that three minutes. So it's a total of six minutes. And you know, he's got a hundred people on there telling him, hey, good job, man, you, you did it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, you see, like, you can do this too. You mm-hmm. just make make baby steps, yep. yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, to, to speak to your point of the, you know, where the, uh, where the energy flows, uh, you know, sentiment, you know, the, 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 to me, there's an element of that that just like with everything else, it's balance, you know? Is yeah. it, you know, where I, where I think, people have lost their way is is again it's the over overblown attention to everything to a point in which it's actually counterproductive you right know? um <laughs> well, it really even dif- like it becomes incredibly counterproductive to the the, the intention that in which you go yeah. and set out right i mean yeah. all, you, all you can think i mean everybody's been in an argument with a significant other or you know family member or something like that and you know what happens when you go and take the stubborn like won't listen to a single word you say position no, yeah. it doesn't work out very well yeah <laughs> right yeah but then on the trans Verse, like if you're a spineless jellyfish and just yeah. go along with everything like you know that's not fucking productive either, no and then you, know, you go so. and blow up too and yeah 100 yeah, and i mean truly like i i've I, i've actually been <laughs> with that point doing kind of my own personal experiment with a lot of team guy friends mm-hmm. and i i have like a general belief that there are a lot of them at least ones i'm like close friends with are, are were fairly uh, ornery when yeah. they were growing up, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah. this guy over here talking about some of the yeah. stories that you just heard, whatever. I mean, yeah. 
like literally, you know, fighting kids, throwing desk at him. I mean, you have, you know, 15 teachers to go and try to jump on him and stop him. Like, I mean, yeah. I know I'm not trying to go and encourage that. Right. The, yeah. the goal is not to go and say to the kids, like, go out and go and do that. But for me, I got a detention in seventh grade for talking. Yeah. You know, that's like yeah. the extent of the disciplinary like stuff. Cause I, I tried yeah. to go and fit, you know, toe the line yeah. and I've had to go and learn, you know, in later on in life to go and to, to be disagreeable mm -hmm. in order to be more effective. Yeah. And, and it's, it's been a powerful lesson and, mm -hmm. and actually like, one of the main things I've been learning lately is about the Toltec culture. They were the like Mesoamerican tribe, sort of around the Aztecs and the Mayans, and um, like a sort of like shamanic type, you know, like a natural mystical sort of wisdom, you know, is what they sought to possess even more than being a warrior culture. Yeah. And, um, you know, disagreement was actually one of the main things the Toltecs would practice mm -hmm. is because, you know, and that's what I feel like our society is really lost is that ability to go and, you know, agree to disagree and, and peacefully like sit and listen to someone else's point of view yeah. and actually listen, not listen with the intent to go and try to smash their, the, you know, that, that side, but to go and listen and then disagree. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have a, to me, it's, it's a kind of dovetails on to Jordan Peterson's uh, logic, uh, which I, I have no doubt that his influences have come from many, but I had this uh, talk with, uh, with David Andrews, the center for the Patriots on the, on the last episode is that he was talking about, you know, some of the, the black lives matter and Anthem uh, mm -hmm. antics that, uh, that had, you know, kind of infiltrated the NFL and been, been such a big sticking point and, and, you know, him talking about his ability to, um, sit down with other, other guys on his team and, and have a, you know, an adult relatively civil conversation and, and, and agree to disagree basically. And I think, you know, my point in bringing it up and, and again, this is, uh, you know, something that I think is heavily influenced from Jordan Peterson, but, and, and it makes a lot of sense is that I, where I think a lot of times our society, you know, has really lost its way is, is largely influenced by technology in that, you know, it gives people the ability to sit behind a keyboard uh, or on the other end of a phone or, you know, on the Internet in a chat room or whatever, um, you know, and be able to say whatever they want and have absolutely no accountability for it. You know, oh yeah, and, oh, yeah. And, and so I mean, to me, <laughs> I know like all about that. Yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> you so, type my name into YouTube in the MMA fight that I did. You see what people have said. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, but to me, the, the problem with that is, is, is that you know, the, the, one of the reasons negotiations work is because of the threat of what the next step is. You know, it, whether you're talking to two militaries or, or two countries getting ready to go to war or two men getting ready to get into a fist fight, is yeah. that the, the reason why you can come to a compromise and you will sit there and listen to the other side tell their side of the story and, and try to truly understand it is because both of you understand that the next step is is violence. Yep, <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and so in in the interest of not having that happen every single fucking time you 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 know disagree with somebody it gives you a more rational approach to to the logic and reason behind negotiating yeah. and, and discussing something and so on the internet there there is no accountability for your fucking mouth you know you can say whatever the fuck you want you can have the most drastic position that you want and nobody's ever going to show up and say hey fuck face oh, sometimes uh, they do yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, don't be so quick yeah. Cle clearly not yeah, enough i definitely have you know, <laughs> yeah. but but you know how how often you know like yeah i, I, know, mean, I know what you're saying you know, i mean there's there's so many examples of where that's not taking place 
Uh, and so because of that, you know, I, I think that's why you have such a such an extreme position of, of people that, that aren't willing to to negotiate or compromise or, or at, a, at its root level, try to fucking understand somebody's perspective. But I mean, so it, what comes to mind there, though, is the uh, the like the, the parable of a Pandora's box. Right. So, you know, once you've opened Pandora's box and you got all these, you know, things that come out of it, you know, and these sort of, you know, whatever spirits or whatever right you're not putting you're not putting the cat back in yeah the, it's like trying to put toothpaste yeah. back in a fucking right, tube. exactly yeah. yeah so with technology and all that it's kind of a fruitless uh argument to go in and discuss like what it's you know what's 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 happened with it and where it's going right now i mean more so i think that the right way to go and approach it is okay what do we what do we go and do now yeah. and how do we go and use it you know really try to spin all things like my my whole you know mo kind of my whole life is to figure out how to go and spin whatever happens to my advantage. Yeah. Right. So, you know, being born the way that I was, well, you know, now it's the biggest advantage that I have over other speakers. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think similarly with the, with the internet, right. We're talking about, you know, us conversing now about Jordan Peterson to all of your audience, right. Now everybody here, I mean, you've probably already exposed him, but if they haven't been already now they're exposed. Right. And you know, that's, I mean, the, the number of people that I've heard mention Jordan Peterson's name in the last month have been staggering. Right. Whereas six months ago I hadn't heard about him. Yeah. So, you know, similarly for me, like I had one video that uh, I almost didn't do as I was, you know, it, it just was kind of like a figured it was almost going to be a waste of time type thing. And I, did, I didn't even necessarily know, you know, what doing this was going to go and do for my like uh, presence, whatever that video comes out, you know, three, four minute video hits 35 million people. Yeah. So, you know, like instantaneously more than I'd, you know, probably reached with Oprah or, you know, like a lot of those programs. Yeah. So I just say it to go and say that like, yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of negative stuff that's happening, but truth spreads quick too, and truth sure. is contagious. Just like, I mean, on this shirt, attitude is contagious. Massapparel.com. Yeah, so, yeah. so, like, but, you know, it's <laughs> like look at viral, you know, infections or whatever and yeah. use it as a, you know, as a way to go and learn about how to go and, you know, infect truth. I yeah. mean, it's just the same way, just like they use it to, you know, upload the virus in the spaceship in Independence Day, right? Yeah. Like it's... Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, for sure, there's a, there's a huge element of, you know, use it to your advantage and beat them at their own game. I, I think, you know, for me, just, just my perspective on it is I think understanding why it's happening uh, is part it's of the critical, solution. for sure. You know? um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think just not stopping there, though, because I think we, sure. we spend a lot of time talking about why it's happening and a lot yeah. less time figuring out what to do next. No, yeah, ab- absolutely. It's fucking absolutely a great point. Um, so going back to just, uh, you know, a couple little points in your childhood before we get into, you know, a lot of these different um, remarkable fucking uh evolutions that that you've gone through and and uh you know monstrosities that you've accomplished uh how big of a role did uh did sports and and physical activity play uh in your childhood and in high school and, and as you grew up uh huge um you know it, that when i talked about kind of being hopeless at 10 years old you know it was 11 years old that i started playing football and first time I'd, I'd tackle people as a nose guard. So I'd take my helmet and smash it into your shins as hard as I could. And that's how I'd take you down. Yeah. And you know, first time I made a tackle, it was just a game changer for my whole life yeah. and life went in a different direction. Wrestling taught me a lot about a lot, you know, yeah. it was just 
lost every single match for a year and a half and hated it and but then started winning and then beat a lot of kids and to the point where then there was this discussion you know senior year of high school was wrestling varsity for one of the top 35 teams in the nation and um you know it was a varsity 103 pounder and it was like then there was a big discussion I, I was you know at that point in time also competing in powerlifting and you know, cutting from about 120 something pounds at that point and, you know, lifted 240 pounds, 23 times, you know, wrestling 103 pound guys. So, you know, there was this discussion if I was unfairly advantaged at that point. And yeah, to me, I was like, ah, maybe I am, but you know what? It was a cultivated unfair advantage. That unfair advantage wasn't there when I was 0 and 35. Yeah. No, I I mean, to me, that's uh, it's an interesting duality to it. And that, you know, the, I guess from a, from a frame standpoint, I guess, is that, is that what people's question or or perception or skepticism was, is that, you know, your frame where it exists is that of somebody way bigger than the guys that you're wrestling is is that? Yeah, totally. I mean, maybe you can comment on this as to what grappling to me is like, maybe you you go to arm bar me or something like that. It's just not there. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a unique experience because, you know, I think that most able-bodied people, normal bodied people, you know, if you and I grapple, I'm used to arms and limbs and strength and and you know any grappler is but when i go to grapple him for the first time i'm like okay uh no wrist locks uh no no you know i'm not knee barring him no arm bars uh pretty much the only thing i have is like his neck and he's he's essentially like a fucking turtle he can just like that and you know there goes his only defense he's just a little ball that's rolling around and he's strong as shit so uh it's just a weird experience but for him his whole life he's grappled able you know normal body people so this is this is just another day for him for me it's my first day you know so i'm like what the hell do i do here and for him he's already you know looking to stab choke you somewhere have you uh grappled uh slash wrestled uh anybody else in in a similar situation uh i not as a quad amputee. One of the meanest guys I ever grappled was uh, actually at uh, it was at, uh, at Militich's, um, Pat Militich's gym in Iowa, and yeah. he was a double amputee. Probably weighed two twenty with like six percent body fat. It's a double yeah. amputee. Jesus. Guy was a house, and he was just he was mean. Yeah. He ragged all most people in the room that were <laughs> like some of which are in the USC Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that you know was interesting. I, I've grappled a few other guys um a couple black belts that were single arm amputees and yeah. one of my signature moves is to call it the stab choke or basically just take the end of my arm and into your tracheas you yeah. know and um yeah I, you know i was like i it was a very interesting getting a taste of my own medicine the first time i had somebody do yeah. that to me <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean i suppose if you just like you said i mean you, you're used to wrestling you know, four limbs yeah. and, and, you know, so yeah, it's, it's a learning curve for sure. I'm totally. sure. Yeah. Um, the, the mentality that you possess now, um, and you know, maybe this seems like a, like an obvious answer, but th- that mentality to push yourself, uh, and, and really push the limits and, and maintain that, that, you know, what we call in the military, the positive mental attitude or PMA, mm-hmm. uh, in senior school, uh, fucking military and their, and their TLAs, their three letter <laughs> acronyms, which is a TLA. Uh, do you think that that's something that there's an element of, of genetically you were born with that, or do you think that it was developed and, and conditioned uh, throughout your life? I think both. 
Yeah. But I mean, I think it's, you know, I, you know, really what I think about too is the fact, okay, like, you know, you are where you are, you have a certain predisposition to, to think a certain way and you can't go back and be born again with a different set of genes. So cultivate yeah. the best that you have with what you got. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I think, uh, I mean, I, I would, I'd love to meet your parents. I think, uh, you know, uh, it sounds like a lot is owed to them in terms of For sure. uh, the, the way you are and, and how you were, you were brought up. It's uh, it's fucking great to hear. Um, all right. So you graduated high school. Um, was there anything leading up and in, in up, up until, you know, during your childhood and leading up to graduating high school that, that was very transformative or was there any like acute singular incident or experience that was a, a huge game changer, uh, other than say, you know, when you, your first tackle was there, was there anything else that, yeah, you know, making it to my state tournament wrestling and going to the nationals, um, that was big for me. Um, you know, it's even other like random social things, getting, uh, you know, be on uh, homecoming court or prom court, that kind of thing and, yeah. and dating, the, you know, all that. Cause I think that those, those bigger insecurities that existed there, it, were, it was beyond just the scope of uh, the physical. Like, there was very little to do with it. I think it was, you know, by that point in time, it kind of figured out, okay, I will physically be able to go and do things, but it was more of just the kind of emotional psychosocial where where's you know the path of the rest of my life going to be and yeah um yeah i mean at 18 years old then got to do an hour-long live interview on larry king it just set my life on a very different path you yeah. know became new york times bestselling author at 19 it was just life showed up very differently after that yeah, yeah i mean for sure you, you know you're catapulted into into the limelight at that point i mean i i can relate to a certain extent but um you know, I'm, I'm curious, I guess, like in high school, did you have a, this is what I'm going to do when I graduate and this is what I want to do with my life or, or was it, was there anything calculated at that point or, or, um, or what was, what was kind of your mentality, uh, looking forward to your adult life? Uh, I 100% did not think that I was going to be a, a motivational speaker or anything like that. I don't yeah. even really like the moniker that comes with that. Cause it's just so like fake news, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it, but I, I, I have kind of chosen to, um, I don't know, like my, my major in college that I was studying before I released the book and started traveling was broadcast journalism. Mm -hmm. So very recently just kind of came to the conclusion that I, I like relinquish any title, but journalist, Yeah, you know, yeah. In, including anything like in whatever, you know, you want to put me in inside of a group or category or whatever, like the only thing that I would accept would be journalist. Yeah. And my topic is truth. Yeah. And that truth is relative. Emerson said, speak today what today thinks in hard words and speak tomorrow what tomorrow thinks in hard words again, though it contradict everything you said today. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what element of that, um, do you think has, has changed if any, uh, as you've been catapulted into, you know, going from, uh, going from being in high school to now, you know, as, as a young adult, if even that, yeah. uh, you know, what, what has changed in that regard? Uh, you know, I think it was just, a, a really, it was at 18, 19 years old, 20, you know, it was like, I, I was just in, in, in the midst of something caught up in something I, I couldn't even, you know, imagine. I mean, yeah. I got to immediately follow Barack Obama in a speech back, you know, in 2005. And he's then, you know, sort of a, just a new, you know, 2005, yeah, I think it was either end of 2005, early 2006. But I mean, he was kind of a new Senator on the scene at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, that's for frame, you know, like, and I was, I was so young, I had no idea kind of what 
what's going on. And, you know, just had my life experience was as a high school athlete and then, you know, in this world. And I mean, incidentally, my first big client group for speeches was uh, the subprime mortgage market because they had more money than they know what to do with. They're yeah. booking me for a ton of speeches. And there were some <laughs> great people in there, too. But then also some, you know, ones that. You know, that may or may not have been around for those, you know, you know, those events that they, they knew what they're they're doing. But, you know, yeah. it just it's it's so fascinating to go and look back and connect the dots now and go and see. And I'm so grateful for where I am. But, yeah, I mean, to, you know, I think up until very recently, and I, I do really credit Mitch for this, is that he's someone who, you know, he, he really like the number of, of fucks this guy gave, you know, and gives, I think is, you know, it's, 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 they're, they're meaningful when they're, when they're given, but it's yeah. kind of, you know, he didn't necessarily care even when he was in the Navy, if it was someone that was significantly more senior, um, he was willing to go and question things. And that, you know, as, as you know, better than I do, sometimes in certain structures, it doesn't work very well. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I think you run into some roadblocks, but you still, you know, I think stand your ground and speak your truth. I, I think now in my life, I feel a lot more freedom of ex- self-expression to go in to do that and to speak my truth than I had before, which yeah. before it, it created a level of, of angst and, and not necessarily enjoying what I was doing because I did feel like I had to kind of cow type my, you know, whatever yeah. the message would be. Yeah. No, I mean, there's the, an element of towing the, towing the company line as it were, I think that exists in most people. And, to me, I, I find similarities in, in the progression of my life as it relates to giving a fuck. Yeah. Um, you know, the older I get, the less I give a fuck. And, and you get less time to care about <laughs> yeah. it, right? And to me, the irony of it, too, is the less the less I give a fuck, like the happier I am. Yeah, the easier and, it gets. Well, and, and the more successful you yeah. become. You know, like the, the, le, the less, like it's, it's almost like I think most people tr- are trying too hard, yeah. you know, to not give a fuck and, and to be successful. And, and by balancing those things out and, and just saying, you know what, I'm going to make myself happy. I'm going to focus on what I want to do. And I don't give a shit what yeah. anybody else thinks. Like Within you know. bounds of respect too, right? Sure. Because I mean, there's, there's time and a place. I mean, I think, you know, when we had a conversation about this before, you know, the podcast started, you said, look, you know talk just how you, we talk while we're having coffee in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. And, and, and if you want to swear, swear it, but like, you know, like if, if you were, your, your market was um, an elementary school classroom, then like I wouldn't. Right. Yeah. So it's, we, you know, kind of, it's like, no, 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 the place, no, your audience, but at the same time, like you don't have to necessarily, you can still have a yeah. genuine message. Exactly. And I think, I think in today's world especially there's just so many people that are full of shit and Mm -hmm. like you can just i can just see right through them if they're not genuine and and if they're if you're not genuine if you're fucking fake and to me you're just a spineless coward and i fucking have nothing in common with you and and i'm not interested in what you're selling or having to talk about yeah i mean and tell us how you really feel yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean sorry yeah no i mean fucking sorry not sorry yeah no there's no uh i mean to me like that that's the whole point of of why 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 that's why i think people people can see genuineness they they real recognize is real and like like it's refreshing in today's you know society and and i think it's because like what you were talking about earlier it's man so many people are quick you know with to throw a label and this and that on on shit and so many people are terrified 
to get labeled, mm-hmm. you know, and it's to me, I don't give a fuck what you label me because I know who I am and yeah. I know what I'm about. And if you can call me whatever the fuck you want to, and, and yeah. I'll just call you an idiot yeah. <laughs> and, or beat your ass. And yeah. like, I am who I am and I, this is what I'm about. And I'll tell you straight yeah. up. To me, I think the, what I see is an element of, of, you know, the, it's the tap dance and the, and the eggshell walking. What, what ends up happening is, is people are so afraid of, of either being labeled or, or, you know, labeling somebody else or, or offending somebody, hurting somebody's feelings or making somebody uncomfortable. They end up riding the fucking fence on everything, you know, and, and end up not standing for any fucking thing. You know, they, they, they play Switzerland with every fucking subject. They don't, well, I don't want to take sides and. And you, you ultimately end up looking spineless and, and, and pissing more people off than, well, than anything else. And like what know? Kyle was saying, you end up getting just the extremes on both ends yeah. that are, that are yeah. you know, making all the noise and all yeah. the people in the middle that are like, you know what, I, I just don't even want to get involved with this shit. Yeah. So then you just have the, the fucking extremes on this yeah. side and the extremes on this side and you're not going to change their mind and they're not going to change your mind. And then it's you're just, like, rah, 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 now rah, rah, it's rah. just like, yeah. you know what, let's try to piss the other side off. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, which is so stupid too, because you know, I mean, yeah, you know what? I mean, there is the whole ride in the fence type type logic, but truly, it's like you know, there are the vast majority of people that sort of sit somewhere in between on a lot of different issues that that don't go in, in voice because it's like you could go see both sides, right? Yeah. And it's like that's where I find myself, and and I mean. You know, brought her up a couple times. Lexi, for instance, is someone who doesn't care that you guys are Navy SEALs. She mm-hmm. could not care less. She doesn't even really know what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, because she doesn't necessarily go and, like, put over overtly too much respect in that moniker, that title, then, you know, she's able to go and then see where you guys would, you know, or, or me or whoever it is would, would have, like, faulty vision where yeah. maybe someone is being, you know, picked on or bullied or, you know, like, she's she is kind of that protector for, for someone who's sort of, I don't know, not um, represented appropriately, right? So I don't want to go down and get anybody like thinking that they have any idea what's going through my head at any time because I don't know, you know? And I mm-hmm. think actually, truly, like that's where philosophically I choose to stand is in not knowing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like I can know and then not know, know and then not know. And to me, give it up, you know, give up, give up thinking that I have all the answers and that, you know, I, my opinions are the right one. And then I can actually go and listen and hear what somebody else has to say. To me, I, I think, uh, I agree a hundred percent is that most people fall somewhere in the middle. And, and I don't, I don't think you have to pick a side in terms of saying I a hundred percent think this way, where I think people, where, where I see the issue is that people aren't willing to fucking talk. About yeah, it. no, they hide. Yeah. And, you're and, right. and that's what I mean about riding the fence. Yeah, is you're that, right. Is that let's not even talk about it because I, I don't want somebody 100%. to get offended. You know, and, yeah. and, and that's where the fucking problem is. It's an important is. distinction, though, because, sure. it's, you know, I think it's like there's an important distinction between being Switzerland versus being like intentionally so, open minded. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. I, yeah. No, I mean, for sure. But uh, to me, we're we're. Where there's an issue is is the silent is the I silent agree, aspect of couldn't it, agree know? more. I mean, we talk about that. I mean, the only thing that evil needs to thrive is the indifference of good men. Whoever yeah. said right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think that was Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pro- probably. <laughs> credit to yeah, credit nine hundred year old yeah. Jedi um, master. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, all right, so moving on, you, so you graduate high school, and when, when did, uh, in terms of MMA, weightlifting, wrestling, CrossFit, all that stuff, was that post high school that you got heavy? Obviously, you wrestled in high school, but in terms of, of some of the follow on stuff, like did, did your 
progression from high school leading into uh, after you got just put got in roided out and really angry yeah. at that point in time. <laughs> Not actually kidding, but <laughs> what, uh, what? How did that uh, uh, transformation yeah. take place? I um, yeah, I think it was just. I mean, by nature too, I have varied interest and in, I mean, like you could call it ADD. I mean, to me, it's my secret superpower, you mm -hmm. know, but like, it's it just, I wanted to go and experience a lot of different things. You know, all of a sudden I'd, I'd go and see a CrossFit video and see people doing that stuff. I'm like, oh man, that looks cool. I'm going to go and try that, you know? Yeah. And then, whoa, that uh, kicked my ass. It was clearly, I have a deficiency here that I'm going to need to go and, or I could go and work on and therefore get stronger in some way. So it was just kind of, I think a lot of my twenties was an exploration in, in, human performance, not even necessarily fully understanding why I wanted to go and perform the way that I did or, or mm -hmm. learn about it, but it was just learning and absorbing as much as I possibly could about, about performance and becoming better. Yeah. And, and did, did that then lead into the more extreme aspects of the mountaineering side or? Yeah. You know, I mean, the, I think the mountaineering began really with just the fact of, uh, my electric wheelchair couldn't go and follow my friends where I wanted to go. And so there was always, you know, and it's, I love nature and I love being in nature. I love exploring nature. There's a lot of places in nature that I couldn't go. And now thankfully due to, you know, kind of an amazing group of people that have helped me figure out how to go through that learning curve, then, um, you know, it's, there aren't that many places in the world that are inaccessible. Right. I mean, even, just got to go and do um, my uh, first six scuba dives with one of our um, like closest friends. Um, you know, my like first like best friend team guy. Um, spent ten years in, in the Navy. Um, Jeff Gum. We founded um, a company, the Loudmouth Patriot, together. So doing swimwear and stuff. So you know, as a business trip, we're in Belize. Uh, Belize. We're in uh, Australia doing uh, diving in the Great Barrier Reef. Right. So that's kind of a whole new frontier. I know you guys have spent a lot of time underwater, but I mean, to me, that was a, a totally different, you know, experience and, and frankly way better in a lot of ways than the, the mountaineering. Cause it was just so much easier. Yeah. Right. And the yeah. mountaineering, I got to really suffer to go to a beautiful place and, yeah. and diving. It was just, I just got towed around with yeah. just a lazy turd in the yeah. bottom of the ocean floor. <laughs> so it was great. Well, yeah. I, I can only imagine the weightlessness, uh, you know, lends itself to being a pretty fucking cool experience for sure especially because yeah. he's fat yeah, i'm super fat <laughs> <so>. <laughs> right. uh, that's fucking great um one of the things i, I noticed uh well there's there's two things in, in one of your blogs that i i read um was that after doing some of the the big feats in your life specifically the mountaineering is that you know, basically there, there being kind of a void after that. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I'm curious about the, the psychology behind that. And, and because I, I see it pervasive in a lot of other elements of people who are uber successful, but I'm curious to get your take as to, as to the, why, why do you suppose that is? And, and can you, can you speak to that, that void that you feel after doing something that's a huge accomplishment like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that we can all kind of relate to, to this and I'm sure you know, most of your listeners, you go and do something really hard and it requires a tremendous amount of focus, effort, energy. And then there's that lull that occurs afterwards. Right. I mean, it's yeah. cause it's just, you don't have anything to go and focus your attention on. And I think, especially as, as males and in particular, sort of that, you know, more alpha type mindset is to go and you know, have that direct focus. I mean, cause I think yeah. over the course of human history that would have resulted in death of the tribe had you yeah. not had that like relentless yeah. focus. Right. Sure. So yeah, I mean, to me it's happened multiple times, whether it was with mountaineering, MMA, whatever, like I would, yeah, just be just bummed out afterwards and spend six weeks, you know, eating like, like a, like every day was like two Chick-fil-A milkshakes or more, you know, like kind of, <laughs> you know, eating like a teenager. Yeah. And just kind of, you know, it's, it's, 
increasingly I think about, um, you know, again, brought him up a couple times, but Jordan Peterson talks about sort of like a, you know, a, like a, a simple antidote to that could be like brush your teeth, you know, and like floss or, you know, pick up your room, right. Yeah. You know, have a little bit of like or, order in your life, yeah. go and work out like every little step in action. Like pick, what I'm learning now, you're picking up that Mitch, a little yeah. order and routine, right. It leads towards, <laughs> I think it's, it, I'm, I'm really trying to, to wrestle with the fact of how do I live a life? I mean, just to give you guys a glimpse of like what we've got going on, like, with the, like this last little bit, he was in Orlando with me. We flipped, you know, spoke there, you know, oh. event, you know, dinners, like all that stuff, like with people in the gym in the off hours, barely sleeping, you know, like go up to New York, boom, same thing. It was like, you know, exact same thing. We were like found out, you know, it was like went to the gym at like one thirty in the morning. So it was the only time we could go and do it. And then it's like speaking the next day. And then we're off traveling again. He goes to the Grand Canyon. I went to Ohio. Then I went to Atlanta, yeah. you know, and then like now yesterday flew out here. Now we're in Texas. Now we're at your house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so tomorrow we're going tomorrow, to DC. Yeah. Tomorrow we go to DC and there until like, you know, the weekend after that, I f go to Pennsylvania with Jeff uh, Gum, then fly to, after that, to LA. And I got and invited got the to go. Tough Mudder coming up. Yeah, Tough Mudder thing. I mean, it's just, it's craziness, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yacht Week. I mean, there's some really cool stuff that we're doing. I'm not trying to get people to feel sorry for us, but yeah. at the same time, like, I'm, I'm really wrestling with, and I have. I want to feel sorry for us. We don't have a job. No, yeah, <laughs> right. We're degenerates. <laughs> but, like, how do we build that structure and routine inside yeah. of like this very groundless sort yeah. of existence. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. So, I mean, for me, and, and this obviously, I mean, this is just how, what works for me is, is, you know, having kind of a mental plan of, of how you start your day to me is, is what helps fix that. Mm. I mean, pick four or five things that every fucking morning that you can do no yep. matter where you're at. And to me, that puts you in a, in a specific mentality to, to maintain that standard. For sure. You know, uh, which will lead to, to planning out the rest of your fucking Jerking day. off is yeah. what you're thinking about. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. I don't like to waste directions, personally. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I mean, so, to, I mean, to me, it's, it doesn't matter what the fuck it is. I mean, if it's fucking stroking off or, uh, or flossing your fucking teeth, maybe you do them at the same time. I don't give a shit. Well, you know, it's like yeah. you just, I, I take my boner serious. You know, it's like one day I might yeah. not have them. I, I used to take my hearing for granted. And then one, one day, you know, just yeah. my hearing stopped working yeah. in my left ear. So yeah. you never know. Maybe don't, your boners will just it. stop working. Yeah. So I don't like to waste those. <laughs> that's a uh, truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> show note highlights. Right Speak here. truth here. Yeah. That's probably going to be the headline of the show. I can never waste a boner. <laughs> yeah. Words to live by. Um, all right. So in terms of, uh, of being an author uh, and kind of, you know, moving on what, what the next step is, um, do you have plans to do any, any other writing, any other books or? Oh yeah. I think the next book is really going to confuse people, but yeah. you know, yeah. it'll be beautiful and it's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. You any, know, any insight into that or is that hush hush? Oh no. I mean, just, you know, I think it's just a story of what's kind of occurred over the last like couple of years. It's, I mean, it's, how much time you got, mister? You know, <laughs> sure. We got all, I mean, I got all fucking day. How much time do you guys have? I know. Well, you I think, you know, it'd be fun to come back and, you know, well, when, when it, when it comes, uh, when it comes out, I'd love to have you back awesome. and, and we'll go through it and, and talk about That'd it. That'd be cool. Sure. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, it's also, there's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that I, I didn't write a book at any point in time since the last one. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'm ready for another one. Yeah. Well, that's good shit. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward. Any, any kind of timeline as to when that uh, when that's happening? I mean, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the green bananas approach here and just yeah. go and give it completely Sometime. non-committal, yeah. <laughs> like coming to a, two to twelve years, coming to an Amazon store near you, Sam. Yeah, yeah, sometime in your lifetime. All right. Um, one one uh, one question I am uh, I am curious about is uh, from a prosthetic standpoint. He's such a turd. Just <laughs> returning a text is hard enough. I'm like, wait, a whole book. That's nothing like, to do with yeah. how quickly yeah. I can type that text yeah. either. But. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the one thing I was curious about is uh, I saw some of the, uh, just some pictures of, of you doing some of the summits that you've done and seeing kind of the, the, uh, augmented gear, yeah. the, the boot, uh, you know, augments that you had is, has there been a point in your life where you've experimented with or, or successfully used or, or dependent on prosthetics or has it been something where you've kind of always said, no, I don't want to fucking use anything. Uh, I used them briefly when I was younger in, in like up until like kindergarten or so. Um, yeah. and then just decided to throw them away. Uh, yeah. and kind of just, yeah, never, never yeah. looked back. Yeah. And the, in the wheelchair, you used to use one. Is that use what? a, yeah, I use a chair. There's actually have a chair in the, in the rental car right now. I just, yeah. I don't really use it in the house. So, yeah. um, I, it kind of just, you know, scoot along and yeah. you know like yeah. a little snail it's, trail it's yeah. faster sometimes for me to just be his avatar you know, <laughs> just like climbs on my back and yeah. just go you get a, a fucking c3po backpack right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking great um all right so uh in terms of where where anybody listening can can follow you find you things that you have going on projects anything that you want to talk about uh, where where can people get a hold of you and yeah i think the same um i mean probably the most like active i am on is on instagram and probably will utilize that more and there's some videos right now on youtube on me if you type my name in there but um want to have a little bit more presence on there in the near future so whenever this drops then um yeah just depends you know but instagram is a pretty reliable place to go and check me out just kyle maynard and uh, in terms of your website, you want yeah, to direct people there for KyleMaynard.com if people are, are interested. DavidHasselhoff.org. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like a night rider over here. Um, all right. Well, gr- good shit. Um, before we kind of tie in the, the last piece, I just, again, want to thank both of you guys for coming. But um, one of the things that, that I find uh, truly inspiring about both of you guys uh, is is the the amount of time and, and energy and effort that you guys put into motivating people. And I know neither one of you kind of like that moniker of motivational speaker or whatever, but you know, to me, uh, maybe a better word would be to be a, you know, inspirational speaker um, because you guys do, uh, you know, you inspire a lot of fucking people. And I think uh, it, it's a, a really bright light that, uh, that, that our country needs to shine uh, and, and, the disparity between your guys's backgrounds, but then the the commonality and parallel with your guys's mentalities, I think, is is a fucking really really neat concept. And to see the two of you guys traveling and, and inspiring uh, the next generation, or even the existing one, or even the fucking older one, frankly, uh, is, is really fucking cool. And uh, I would love to get uh, for you guys to kind of synopsize, if you will, uh, what you guys do and and uh, and you know just the different components of what you guys are about as a as an entity together. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think our our mindsets are you know very similar, and you know listening to a speak we're obviously very different people, you know, but uh, it's crazy how similar we think, and um, you know there's a lot of times where we just look at each other and we know what the other one's thinking, and yeah. you know we're on the same page all the time pretty much, and uh, I mean for me personally, like I I, I get so much fulfillment out of helping people and uh you know through my instagram has been my biggest platform and you know 
was kind of my first look at that, you know, like Kyle's been doing motivational speaking for a long time and inspiring people for a long time. And, you know, this is all new to me. Like when I started my Instagram, it was purely just to, um, a way to kind of give back to sponsors Mm -hmm. and, you know, that, that's, was my only intention with the Instagram. And then it grew to what it has. And along the way, people were, you know, writing me saying that I'm helping them, you know, lose weight or or motivated them. Like my mindset just shifted and, you know, the way you look at life, it's so, it's a unique way or it's positive and it's allowed me to, to shift my mindset. And, the more that that like the frequency of that happening i was just like wow man this is so fucking cool like it's it's honestly way more fulfilling than anything i've done like becoming a navy seal like an mma fighter all this shit like that's all like personal you know achievement and gain and all that stuff and then i, I wasn't really i didn't feel like i was really giving back and uh now i do and like I said, it's just, it's the most fulfilling thing that I've experienced in my life and, and money cannot buy that. Yeah. And, um, it's so powerful and, and it makes me feel good knowing that like I'm doing some sort of positive for this world and like, you know, and I've, I've met such great people that, that share that. And especially now, like we're, we're building like our little tribe and, we have great people with us and that are all like-minded and want to, that just want to help people. But, you know, we're not, we're not just giving, walking around giving out handouts and this and that, like we're trying to give people hand ups, you know, and with their mindset and with the right mindset, I think you can honestly like achieve anything and, and your life can be amazing. And, uh, that's what I aim to do now. And, uh, it's super awesome being connected with Kyle because I feel like, you know, my story in itself is, you know, it seems to resonate with some people and they, they draw inspiration from it or motivation or whatever. And same with Kyle, you know, they draw that motivation, inspiration. And then when they see us together, it's just like, I think like as a package deal where we're just stronger together, you know? And, um, I think it's just looking at us. It's, it's interesting enough, you know, the way, the duality, the the way we look, you know, and then, and then when we speak our truth, you know, I think it just first, the physical thing gets people's attention. And then what we're talking about really resonates with a lot of people. I think so. It's awesome. Yeah, I think um, what yeah, he I mean, said. You know, he said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, I would just add that you know it's it, it's it's really it, an example of where you know the sum is greater than the parts. Yeah. And I think um, it, it's really you know we've got so many amazing people kind of even you know in our, in our tribe outside of us you know our our like very close friend you know. Um, Jeff Nichols, uh, yeah. you know, um, the, who's an amazing, you know, strength and conditioning coach. I mean, you know, everywhere we go, we're kind of like meeting and, you know, gathering the tribe right now. I mean, the relationship with you, you know, um, and, you know, and kind of like those interconnections, wherever that goes right into Mario Romero, Jeff Gum, who we mentioned, but also even outside of 
that community, you know, with the teams and stuff. With I mean, there's there's the relationship inside of um, you know, like Iron Cowboy, for instance. Like he did 50 Ironmans in 50 days in 50 states. The guys like achieved an endurance feat previously unachieved in human history. Yeah. And I mean, like to a level that just I mean, as Mitch said, there's levels to things, right? I mean, there, there's like that he kind of is at that like top echelon, in my opinion, of like ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, David Vibor is one of my, one of our like very like our best friends, who's you know founded the Adaptive Training Foundation. You know, uh, NFL linebacker. You know, for five years, uh, last drafted in the NFL, um, uh, linebacker at Idaho, and then. Went the draft. He was Mister Irrelevant. Last yeah. drafted, um, but immediately started his first year. Played in the Super Bowl. Injured his shoulder. Battled, you know, a little bit of, you know, like depression and, you know, um, the other things after he got out. Figuring out what his next steps are, and then he chose to go and um, train a buddy um, of ours, Travis Mills, who is a quad amputee veteran. Right, so. You kind of think you found purpose in that, right? Now has built this amazing adaptive training foundation that's helping other people. All of it, though, I think everybody in the tribe, and there's a ton of people that weren't mentioned too, but like everyone has this mentality of, of, of achievement for, you know, kind of our own individual sake, but also for like the greater good. Yeah. Right. It's kind of, we've talked about like it's real sort life of like Avengers. Real life Avengers shit yeah. kind of happening. And, and yeah. it's kind of cool. I, I fucking love it. I mean, you know, to me, like I said, to, to take your guys' experiences collectively and, and join forces and go around and, and inspire people is uh, is fucking awesome. Like I, I'm, I'm I'm proud of both of you. I'm uh, I'm honored to have you here, and uh, and I love what you guys are doing. Um, so keep up the fucking good work. Well, thanks, man. I'm gonna yeah, hit you for up for uh, training my dog yeah. sled team to go yeah. tow my wheelchair uh, around. <laughs> I'd fucking I'd be happy to. But uh, appreciate you having us out here. Yeah, no, it's my, it's really my pleasure, guys. I, I really do. Thank you for coming. Um, in terms of where people can find you guys uh, collectively, is, is there a name of, of you know your uh, a company that, that you guys do it together? Or is it well? Uh, Kyle Kyle recently bought into Massive Apparel, so okay. he's he's part owner of that now. And um, awesome. So yeah, if you're trying to get a hold of us, like <laughs> or, if, if people want yeah, you guys to come in, just, just get a hold of me because <laughs> he'll get a hold of me. Yeah, if you, like some people when I put his uh, a picture of his home screen on his phone yeah. on my story and people just had like panic <laughs> attacks because he's got like 400 missed texts you know like it's just yeah good luck I'm trying to get a hold of I him mean, I'm at 191 right now okay yeah. I'm doing pretty good I'm not even going to get your phone number then yeah don't worry about it just, about just, just get a hold of me I'll, yeah. I'll track him down thankfully it's not a prerequisite yeah. to making out right yeah, that's, no that's you got that right there's the, there's the tongue coming back we've come full circle to the three. <laughs> Uh, anything else you guys want to uh, push, plug, mention before we uh, before we wrap it up? I don't go check go. out massiveapparel.com, yeah. massiveapparel.com. Check out uh, some of our apparel. We've got some good stuff, and everything's real high quality, low price, good stuff. Yeah. And uh, we want to thank you um, for having us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank uh, you no, for sure. And no, go I, to your audience. Just yeah. go do something with your lives that's going to better the planet in some way. That's the one thing we want to, you know, pimp out as much as possible. Yeah. Well, hey, man, like I said, it's my pleasure having you here. If, uh, if anybody listening wants to have these two pipe hitters come uh, inspire your crew, get a hold of Massive Apparel, uh, uh, Mitch at Massive Apparel. Uh, we'll just, have, just send me a DM. Yeah, send me a DM. <laughs> Slide into the DMs just on Instagram. In. Lube up first. Uh, but... Anyway, the, or don't, uh, yeah, or or don't spit on it, whatever. <laughs> um, 
but the uh, the overall gist that uh, that I want to kind of communicate here, um, you know, as we wrap this up, is just you know, like I said, these two guys are, are a huge inspiration for me, for everybody, um, and they are positively impacting a shitload of people's lives. And uh, I, I encourage uh, everybody listening to go check them out, uh, have them come talk to your crews and uh, and follow them and, and uh, get on the program because it's awesome stuff. But uh, uh, last but certainly not least, as always, I like to uh, thank the listeners. Without you guys, uh, we would not have a show, but also... Uh, like I said, starting this thing out without uh, having guests like this with uh, with these kind of stories and willing to, to come on here as inconvenient as it is to come to this fucking place, uh, the Bat Cave, as it were, um, you know, we wouldn't have a show either. Uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to sit on this side of the microphone and, and run my mouth and ask questions that I know we're all curious about. Uh, but it's it's both the listeners and and the guests that make this program what it is. So, uh, thank you to to everybody for uh, for what you've you've turned this into and made made it into. Uh, cannot thank you guys enough. Uh, again, thank you both, gentlemen, for coming. And uh, as always, we will see you next time. And this is Mike Drop. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.